Welcome, Mr. King Canada. I have to remember not to use your legal name. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. Uh, and welcome to Bridge the Gap, which is the show where we take very interesting people such as yourself and we walk through your life story and we learn knowledge nuggets based on the knowledge nuggets of your life story. I mean, it's as vague as that because it's an experience. We don't even know what direction it's going to go yet. Um, but it is a pleasure to have you here, you in particular, because you're not just an artist, just so that people know. He does more than just the artistry that we were listening to. He has the whole bring the bars. I'll call it a movement. That is a good word for this. The guy does interviews. The guy does all sorts of stuff. It's almost like... He's, he's in my lane of shit, like real media mogul type crap going on. I'm like, yeah, let's get it. So for me, it's like especially fun to talk to those people because, like, you know, I, he gets he gets things like, you know, maybe some people like, like showing up three minutes late a lot. And he's like, yeah, I feel you. And I'm like, yeah, he gets it for real. So for me, it's a real, real treat to have people that are like in line with being a peer like that on here because it's funner. But I do have a bit of a token first question. I like to just get into it and ask you. It's a bit of a story. When it lands, you can run with it, and, and however you want to answer it is totally cool. But it all starts. With, it all starts with my girlfriend, and she's washing the dishes, and she's got her phone out there, and she's busting that black eyed piece on. That, I got a feeling. <laughs> and she's dancing, and she's doing her thing. And I started thinking about that song and how nifty it is that nowadays in this time it's chores music, it's exercise music, it's, you know, getting boogie time music in, in the modern era for our age group and whatnot. But if we were to think about just that song, go back about 10 years in time, you would see that that song has us in the clubs, super drunk, jumping up, oh, yeah. dancing in circles and stuff. Which is crazy to think about because that means that if you... Look at music on a spectrum over time. It means that all the Cardi B's and everything that we hear in today is about to be the stuff kids 10 years ago watched their parents wash dishes to and whatnot. And that's the facts of that music, everybody making club music right now. And so that's nifty how it all just kind of wor uh, works like that. So it got me thinking at all about our own musical journeys because if music and time kind of works like that and all these vibes and associations change, and we usually think about ourselves and we only really start forming our identity around puberty. We tend to have the conversation as of when we get into music. But the fact that the situation is your musical journey actually starts a little bit before that. Like when you're born and you come out and there's sounds around you as you start to elevate as a very young King Canada. So I was, uh, so like basically I was hoping you could walk us through the soundscape a bit. So as an example, like I'm like five years old and my dad's got those little gray like amplifiers and tape decks and shit strung up the speakers and he's playing that Led Zeppelin shit and it's just like there and then sometimes it's car radios with technos at night and then my mom's got these bad disco knockoff tapes that she would play her annoying musics on and then, you know, like in the car sometimes it was Krista Burke. Anyway, all these musics and vibes and sounds are things that came from my memory and ultimately form this whole kind of path towards the stuff that I'm interested in today. So I was hoping that you could walk us a little bit through what it was like when you were a five-year-old, four-year-old, whatever, the earliest you can remember, King Canada, and what the sounds of that environment were like, the technologies, the whole, all of it. Yeah, for me, definitely was a uh, very young age. My dad was really into classic rock. So that mm. was always playing through cassette decks and, uh, definitely in the vehicle and all, all the time. And to think of like my earliest memory of really remembering a musician uh, would have to be uh, on his behalf, but would be uh, Alice Cooper. 
Mm. Uh, he was a massive fan of Alice Cooper. And I just remember him because when uh, the end of the school year, when he would wake me up in the morning by playing Schools Out for Summer. Just my dad blast- did that too. Yeah, just blasting that. Like when I was young, six years old, or like as far back as then. And then uh, that was definitely my earliest memory. And then my mom on the other spectrum at her house was a lot more of the popish sounds. Uh, she was like the share and all that kind of stuff. But definitely classic rock stands out as uh, the main ones that I remember the most. Definitely Alice Cooper, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath and all that stuff. And for Alice Cooper too, what struck me was because he was a massive fan. He had all the records, he had the CDs and just how he was a performer. He wasn't just an artist. It was a whole presence, a whole character that he built in this like persona he made and his his shows, I saw him twice live as I got older, and he just puts on an unbelievable show. So it was the whole entertain, enter, uh, entertainment aspect of music that he brought to it that actually really blew me away. And I was like, this is really cool. And so that's definitely my earliest memory is Alice Cooper 100% with my dad. That's amazing. So let's stay around that age for a little bit before we move on. So were you like into the singings at that point? Were you belting along and singing and doing all sorts of dances and choreographed moves to the Alice Coopers and whatnot? <laughs> I'm not a dancer and never was, so I definitely wasn't dancing, but I was definitely shouting, singing out, schools out for summer, 100%. And uh, even like when I got younger and I'd hear this his song, 18, and I was like, I can't wait to turn 18. You know, it just, it just struck me as five, six years old. Like, I can't wait to turn 18 and I'm going to sing this song karaoke. Never did, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, definitely was singing it out. And what I liked with his, too, a lot is he rhymed in his lyrics. And, and uh, rhyming okay. just always struck me compared to uh, more of a melody, I guess, if you would put it that way. But uh, definitely the rhymes always stood out. And even when I was younger, me and my, my childhood friend, we had a little keyboard that made all these different sounds. We're like, we're going to start a rock band and playing little sounds on the keyboard. And we'd write lyrics. And my lyrics always rhymed with our rock band. This would have been. When, when were you eight, doing that? Eight years old. Must have been eight oh. years. My childhood friend. That's exactly the stuff we're digging for, believe it or not, is that. The fact that you were a keyboard, meaty fucking rock band songwriter at eight years old. That's some shit that people need to hear more about. I couldn't play keyboard. It's one with the preset sounds, and I'd hit the drum on the one, do, 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 and the other one. And I can't remember what our band was called or anything. But I do Sounds remember like one you were DJ master to me. Hey, <laughs> the skill threshold is low. Yeah. Tell us. I was saying I remember one song we did. Uh, I never remember the name of what we called our band, but it was uh, Soaker because we went outside and got our feet soaked in the in the puddle, stepping in the shoes. So we did a song called Soaker. And uh, that always just stood in my head for some reason. This is eight or nine years old when all that started for sure. That's amazing because it means that for real, real, you got into music as an artist at like single digit years. You can argue whatever, whatever about how good or bad an eight-year-old bust out his keyboard skills. But the (laughs) fact is, it still gave you experience points in the RPG that is this music game. Thus, you leveled up and gained acquisition and knowledge at an earlier age than a whole lot of others. 
So I think it's super cool to delve into that stuff. But before we go past this point, we have to still stick around this for a little bit more because I like to go through the elements a little bit. And there's still a couple more elements to ask about, specifically the drawing side. That would be like the last one, really. Were you into the drawings and whatnot when you were young? Are you a visual person like that? No, I never was really much of the visual artist, to be honest. Uh, I did as I got older because I went to school for uh, editing, video editing. So I got into that medium, but that wasn't till way later in life as a kid. It was, you know, I was into art attack and stuff like that, but I couldn't put together any of the pieces for the, for any art myself. I was horrible at it, but, you know, I I'd know. make horse blue and my grass red, and I, I didn't even know how to draw anything. I still don't know how to draw anything. But not all of us can say we were songwriters at eight, so fair enough. You're still winning in that front, in my opinion. Um, that's dope, though. So I ate it. what kind of stuff were you influenced by musically? Because if you're already at the point where you're making songs, you must already have a couple of little favorites at that point in time. Oh, yeah, like I said, definitely the people who put on a show, like the artists that really put on shows. I was influenced by that because just the whole, enter not just the music side of it, but the whole entertainment aspect side of it. And just making it a real life, like character and a per, like almost like a movie, a TV show Ooh, where you can we just got take a, them through episodes. We just got a good question. I also have a follow up to that. But what's Art Attack from Willie Scandals? Oh. I half remember it, so I'm gonna throw that one to you. It was a British guy, I believe, it was the show, and he'd teach you how to put these arts and crafts together. And then every episode ended, he would do one massive, like painting himself or like a big area of sand. And he would draw a big thing in the sand with his fingers. He always ended with a big, big thing. And I remember that watching that with my grandma. And I was always blown away. I would attempt the little arts and crafts you do throughout a show. But they never worked out as good as, a, as he did it himself. And especially the endings there. That would get my dad in, my grandma just blown away what this guy was doing. That's really cool. I like that stills. I mean, anytime we can throw things back to like memory lane it's a good time that's how i feel <laughs> about that no but so you got this position right so you start your musical journey you're into theatrical kind of big entertainment bands but how does an eight-year-old you stay in the loop with what's new how are you actually finding this music at that point uh through my dad it was always old so it was never new a lot of the mm. time so i really started spending time with my sisters they lived with my mom i lived with my dad we're in two different provinces so I didn't see them often, but when I go see my sisters, and this is when, you know, uh, 99, I would have been nine years old, where I was introduced to like uh, the M&Ms and the DMXs and that kind of hip hop that really, uh, and by the way, prayers out for DMX. Yeah, but, I was like, I have to go do the Google now to see if it got worse. <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry, we're still good. We're still good for now. So it, it was definitely my sisters who brought me in Shaggy, you know, it wasn't me in 2001, 11 years old, showing me that kind of music. So my sisters were huge in introducing me to the new pop culture with my dad. It was always the eighties rock. And that's all I knew. I didn't know anything coming out in the nineties. And then over time, I guess I found out the blink one eighty twos and stuff like that through school. But yeah, definitely. Uh, my sisters are the biggest part of me finding out pop music, pop culture, really. That's interesting. Still, I was, I was the older brother. So I'm, I'm the one that taught my little brother, all that stuff. So it's always like cool to just hear other people's versions of this. Um, 
in general, it's like, that's why we go through it is partly to see the technological things. Like, so you had the siblings, you're in the CD era, you're not in the YouTube era. I know because yeah. I remember that time of life. And just the way you frame it, like, I remember, I know what it is to be a guy that comes in with the DMX Eminem pipeline. I know that pipeline into hip hop because that's the one I went down. So I fucking relate heavy to that. Yeah, that got me after realizing how much I loved it. Like I said, with The Rock, how I write rhymes in my lyrics. When I, my sister first showed me, Eminem would have been the first rapper I believe I heard. And I was like, there's a whole genre based on rhyming? Like, what the hell is this? And that blew me away and it made me go back and then like, okay, who's Tupac? And like, what's Big Biggie, Big Pun, Big L? And I went back and I was just Big Daddy Kane, like all these guys. I was like, I can't believe this is a a genre of music i'd never heard it before just being with my dad it was rock 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 no country no hip-hop just rock all the way so that's all i knew until my sisters introduced me to this whole new world really of sounds like you would say and uh, this whole new elements of music that i never knew even existed yo willie just asked a good question that i forgot to ask sincerely um where were you from at this point like where does the first beginning of your life start uh, I was born here in Quebec, in uh, Hall, Quebec, but I lived most of my childhood, like my parents divorced when I was young, four years old, and I lived in North Bay, Ontario is where I grew up all, all my life till I became 18 and then moved back up here to uh, the Gatineau region. So uh, Ontario, North Bay, that's by Sudbury, uh, four hours from Toronto. Yeah, I'm in Gatineau now. Mm. Fair. I was looking at where Gatineau was because I thought it was next to Halt, and then I realized it was next to Halt, and then it made a lot more sense. But yeah, right across the bridge from Ottawa. Yeah, literally, you cross the bridge, you're in Gatineau. Mm. It's like I was just looking at it. Quebec is such a bizarre shape, and the whole like way it like folds over. Canada's bizarre. Um, but yeah, so you're like eight to like nine. You're interested in you know making songs and almost like. I guess a hobbyistic kind of way. You're eight, nine, whatever. Yeah. So do you pursue that for a minute? Is that like a thing that happens for a while or is it like a short little stint? No, it was a short stint for the like writing the rock songs, but I really got into poetry in school, elementary school and high school and stuff and short stories. So it grew to that aspect of it until I was really introduced to hip hop. I would have been 10, but to actually pursue it, I would have been in my teens, you know, learning what freestyling no, was. We're talking about poetries and short stories at like eight, nine is just as big a flex. So you should probably expand on your creative enterprises here. Uh, yeah, the poetry, I just always just wrote it for school. Like I never really did it on myself. Like I did little poetry notes, like I had a journal and stuff like that. So I do my poetry in that sense. Uh, the short stories, I always love making short stories. I make a short story on the snowman I built outside or... I'd make a short story on pretty much anything. Like I was into Pokemon at the time. So I made my own Pokemon episode and I would, you know, I would write my own kind of like episodes really into wrestling. So I'd write up wrestling show and uh, just short stories of based on characters. I knew nothing really unique that came from my mind. Like I built this new character, but just kind of writing my own version of these already existing characters is kind of my short stories at the time. I mean, again, for nine years old, fucking impressive like maybe not the greatest effort. it's a nine-year-old effort but f for real super cool like i'm Thank impressed you. 
I love that shit, but it just shows the layers of your creativity. Because, yo, if you take any stock in that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours to perfection type shit, what she's already doing at this point is flexing them creative muscles and getting that juices in now that leads to your whole journey later on, right? So it is worth pointing that out, not just for people today, but also like the parents and shit that could be watching here and, you know, fornicating and making children's, you know, look at that. This created, created, fostered the creativity dead, turns into fucking King Canada. See what I'm saying? Like there's correlations there. Um, all right. So you basically bust into short stories, flexing the imaginative muscles. And then you, from what I understand next, you discover like hip hop proper. Yeah, I've, I've discovered hip hop must have been 10 years old, I guess, first time I discovered hip hop. And that changed everything for me, music wise, everything. I was still still branching out into like the classic rock. I always liked it. And then, you know, I was into the Nirvanas and when Blink 182s and some 41s and stuff came out, I was into all that. But uh, hip hop definitely, I don't know, it just grabbed me in a way. I, I couldn't believe, like I said, with the poetry and stuff, I couldn't believe there was a genre based on rhyming and lyrics of a not most times back then too, not a guy singing a cook or anything, just talking through a beat. And it just, you can hear the words and you can feel the words. So I fell in love with it absolutely right then and there. First second I heard it. So That's amazing. So you fell in love with the hip hop on a first love at like 11, 12, let's say pre-teenish ages. Um, yeah, 11, 12 for sure, yeah. And then at this point, do you want to do it or are you just a fan for a while? Just a fan. I never inspired to do it until I started freestyling with friends. At, that would have been 14, 15, 14, I would say roughly freestyling with friends at high school. And then because uh, I already had rhymes built up in my head from the poetry writing and this. And so, you know, I didn't know how to go on a beat. I didn't know anything, but I can rhyme out and freestyle. So I, that's how it started with me on that. So basically from 10 to 14, you're just being a kid doing your life and then y'all start freestyling, just doing your things as teenagers, however it is that y'all get around to doing that. Um, and that's fucking blessed. Yo, shout out Golden Jenny from Norway. So I always like it because whenever she's here, we know we're in Europe and that makes me fucking happy. Um, <laughs> shout out to Europe. It's amazing. Uh, for real. Um, so... Do you do like just a bunch of freestyles for wiles or does it like evolve in high school? Like, I don't know what the next part is. Do you guys performing? Are there talent shows? Walk us through a bit of your teenage rapping experiences. Uh, started at uh, just us buddies getting together. We're all in the hip hop and freestyle my core group of three or four friends. So we do it when one of us would go to each other's house, we throw on a beat and just freestyle. And um, then after that, it got, when it got to house parties, you know, this would have been 16 years old, I guess. You've been King Canada for a minute then. Yeah, actually, it started off, I had uh, the name The Enterprise, actually, when I first started off. And that was uh, my nickname in high school. The, the one-man enterprise is what I actually went by in high school. But it was a very dark tone and a different, uh, almost like uh, like ICP-style uh, performances and stuff. You know, once again, the theatrical part of it. And then mm. uh, as the years went on to like my 20s, it became KC because I needed to change that style. But wasn't that person anymore. And uh, I wanted to talk more emotion and stuff. And for some reason in my head, I had to switch up the name and everything, too. And I still bring out the Enterprise character in songs today. And I'll mention that character, kind of like the alter ego, I guess, if you were to say that. I like it. I like it a lot. 
So we're the one man enterprise is breaking shit in high school with the freestyle and skills of excellence. I'm I'm just being hyperbolic a bit. I don't know how good you were in high school. I assume you're pretty good in high school. Well, I was probably horrible, man, when I first started. But yeah, people seem to well, like. It. Well, it's more like if you spent all that time writing, like I don't think it would be as horrible. It might not be like what you can do today, but like I don't even like There's what I did no last year. There's no topic to any any song, any freestyle. No topic. No, it was just like. I can show off that I can rhyme. That's pretty much what it was at 14, 15 years old, for sure. But that's still a huge foundational thing to work on. So mad props on focusing on that then, getting the skills in. But also you're learning how to do it in front of people. Uh, it took yeah. me a long time to be comfortable even being able to think straight when I'm freestyling in front of people. Like I could bust a full written A to Z in inebriated states and make it work with a crowd every single time. But we got to freestyles, I was like terrible until very recently. Yeah, yeah, I was. that's how I started. I didn't write anything down really, except for, like I said, everything I wrote earlier. So I remembered the rhymes, but uh, just to just spit it out into a sentence or whatever. So I did that and that's... Uh, Definitely helped me out a lot because I never have a problem with, with the rhyming aspect of it. I find I can, when I'm trying to think of the word, I can, it can come to me and how I kind of want to put it together. Mm. Fair enough. So basically, at that point, you go through high school. You got, Are there talent shows or things like that? Sometimes people do that kind of stuff. There was talent shows. I never did any. I was in the, you know, the smoker crowd and the stoner crowd and stuff like that and do any after school activities and stuff. I, you know, I was too cool for it at the time in my head. So, no, I respect that for the honesty. Um, some people really like talent shows. I personally did not talent show. Or maybe I did. I don't remember. I have to think about if I talented showed. But stills. Um, so, after high school, I guess what goes on? Like, when do you, like, delve into, like, taking things a little more seriously? Or do you, like, go to, like, universities? Like, I don't know what happens next. Yeah, uh, 17 years old is when I really started writing down and making actual tracks and, you know, getting a recording program and a crappy little mic and putting it to use. So after I graduated high school, like, I focused pretty hard on my music from 17 till uh, early 20s, I would say. But it didn't go anywhere. You know, you're, I was naive, that young mentality of what you think the dream is. You put one song on YouTube and you blow up overnight. No, but, that is a, that's <laughs> you know, I do know that one. Um, but walk us through this more. This is your story, my guy. So you're 17 years old. How do you even get a song? How do you do it? What do you do? Uh, big shout out to my old buddy back then, Brennan. He was a buddy of mine and he did that. He started a song and, uh, he, he found a, a whole bunch of instrumentals. He had an instrumental, he would download them off LimeWire and stuff like that back in the day. If you remember those things. I do. <laughs> I'm, so I'm, he, a, I'm a couple yeah, years yeah. older than you. So we, you're the same age as my little brother. So we pretty much had a lot of the same experiences like that. Yeah, so he got a whole, like, instrumental CD of all these old classic beats. And so he wrote it first, and he told me about the program and stuff like that. And he's like, I heard you at so many of these parties and at school freestyling. And, like, have you ever thought of trying to write one down and put it together? And I, all of a sudden, for a while, I blew him off. I was like, no, nah, I don't really – I can't really write. Like, I don't want to go that route. Like, I don't – I don't know. I just didn't have a confidence in it, I guess you can say. And he kept, he really pushed me to do it. And then finally, I got the courage. I found this one dark beat to fit my enterprise uh, 
persona and then I wrote to that beat and once again there was not I was still in that darker stage so it was like more the psychopathic record kind of style and I remember the song was called uh, Confessions I still remember writing that song to this day because I was proud of the rhymings of it but the whole thing was uh, a guy confessing to the priest about killing his family that's what the song was about at that time and that was going that dark route you know i was really into the dark hip-hop and the dark that side of it so i i built this character like alice cooper who influenced me that i was talking earlier he was the whole persona whole character Believe so it or I, not, went I empathize more with it from the psychopathic records angle than i do with alice cooper so. yeah so yeah, that was just building that character. And then I really thought I was going to be signed by Psychopathic Records. Like after I did that song, I'm like, they're going to love this. And like, you know, and so I did that. I showed, I even showed it to my dad who hates hip hop. And he looked at me and then first he was probably in his head, like, do you need therapy? And then afterwards he's like, this is actually really creative. So when I got the approval from him too, I was like, okay, I'm going to push this and I'm going to write more and more. And it came out as like, I did a little, uh, four or five track kind of mixed so where, did, where did you record them i recorded them in my basement at my dad's house on a, a program for called mixcraft that i downloaded uh free trial i got and hooked up my mic to it it was a little crappy mic and went from there with it to, to do it That's, also so for real reals my current mantra in life when i try to consider um like my whole decision making is to think like a 17 year old and the reason is because 17 year olds do shit like that. They just plug mics into computers and they use programs and then they end up with a six, seven track mixtape or whatever you said the number was. And I'm like, that's what we should all be doing. 17 yeah. year olds got some smartness to them is all I'm trying to say. Everybody needs a 17 year old, maybe 18 year old on the squad. Let's keep it legal. 18 year old on the squad. Let's not go that deep with it. <laughs> um, but it was more the creativity of it like that's fucking fresh it's one of my favorite parts of these interviews is hearing the ingenious shit that people came up with to like make their initial songs like nobody has like uh well some people do but most people don't have this like i went to the studio nah it's not what happened it's like people were like no. bro i had the karaoke machine or i had the this or the playstation was a fun one so there are playstation rappers as in they busted up the fucking playstation gear and used the mics and everything to make songs so it's fucking cool to hear that part for real yeah mine was just in my dad's basement i don't even know where i got the mic from. i think it was even a gaming headset mic that i used for it that had the headphones with the mic coming down if i'm not mistaken on that and just in his basement wrote a five thing I didn't own any of the beats. I didn't sell it, so I went to high school. I was still uh, in my last years. I would have been in grade 11, grade 12 at that point, handing out my uh, little mixtapes that I burnt on a CD on my CD burner to all my friends. And that was, like, my very first project. And like I said, at that time, I was focused on on the lyrics, yeah, and the rhyming aspect, but I wanted to build the character, this, this per enterprise persona. So it was funny That's how funny. that came about, like, how it had to go together and be the story of this character. And I was even like looking at masks and face paints that I was going to use if I was going to perform at anything to make this persona. I empathize heavy. So shout out everybody in the chat. So uh, PMC Entertainment Network started with Audacity, moved on to Mixcraft with the karaoke machine mic. Otis was on a Nintendo Wii. Willie was fucking busting PSP beats uh, <laughs> using a Game Boy headphones as a mic. Uh, yeah, it's fucking great. I love this shit. It's so fun. Um, 
I did not use any of that gear. I didn't have shit off. I ended up in some dude's basement. Uh, I've been in a few people's basements before I ended up buying like shit. I was actually stupid. I didn't. I waited on some ego shit, and it really cost me a lot more money than to just like use some shitty shit. I even mean that for my podcasting. I realized down the line, like I probably should have just bought twenty dollar lapel mics, and it would have been good enough for like the first year. Yeah. And then I was like, seventeen-year-olds, smart-ass motherfuckers. So I'm trying to say. Um, but that's still impressive, dude. You were in high school, dropped a mixtape, distributed it to your homeboys, and did it by yourself. Well, with your friend, with the beats. That's uh, that's fucking cool. Like, that's just cool. I don't have another great commentary there because it's pretty flabbergasting. Yeah, it was a fun time for sure. And like I said, big shout out to my one friend. He, he was one who really pushed me to to record it. And so I was like, oh, screw it, I'm going to do it. And I did, and I fell in love with it ever since. Did you mix it and all that, or was it just like vocals, pressed a beat? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, vocal. I didn't know about dubbing and ad libs and stuff. It was just one take, go through. I didn't even punch in, punch out, anything like that. It was just one shot. Let's go through the beat and do it. So that's how it was. I like it, man. I like your story so far. It's kind of like making me smile and some nostalgia. It's got like fucking passion in it. And uh, we're we're still not even 18 years old. So you're still a teenager. That's fucking great. Yeah. Plus, first of all, you totally... I'm a juggalo. I just got to put it on wax so that the people know. <laughs> this is an ICP-friendly zone. Well, Violent J is kind of weird these days. But let's say in principle, I'm down with the clown. Same um, here, man. Always was. I, would, so. I wanted to go to the gathering last year. I think 2020 was the first year I could have reasonably afforded to go to the gathering. Yeah, that would have been a blast. Yeah, but couldn't. <laughs> yeah, so I think that uh, I'm down with it. I fucks with it. ICP is great. Uh, I got to see them on their great Malenko tour a couple of years back, and that was that one of the night. It was one of the greatest concert experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Like you, I don't know. If, have you been sprayed by Fago? No, I have not. But I've seen their tours, like videos of their tours, and I wish I was. <laughs> Yo, man, it's. Okay, next time they come through, dude, just you got to. You just doesn't that, matter. It's it's pretty fucking crazy how weird it is that you like. Yo, I got. It's just weird how much you like it, but it's so yeah. good to get sprayed by soda like that. Um, that was yeah. Anyway, I figure you might appreciate that. Most people don't give a fuck about my ICP story. <laughs> I respect ICP all the way. You know, I fell out of them recently and stuff like that. I don't see them, but definitely the. You know, great Malenko and all that stuff. Like, holy cow, man. Massive fan back then. And when they were, I always loved just their Eminem diss songs. And I was a massive fan of Eminem, but they were just so funny and uh, so creative. Talk, with the Dark Carnival is that interesting of a concept that I really appreciated where you were coming from when you mentioned them because of how yeah. the world did lore. And so it's also very cool that you were that in a character development for your own artistry at that point. So tell us a bit more about the world of the shit. I forgot it. I know it was like, fuck. Oh, the Enterprise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just a kid, like really based off of them pretty much. You know, like I said, I was looking uh, at the time too, I was a fan of Slipknot. And uh, like I was mentioning Alex Cooper and stuff, but it just, I was looking for even mass face paints and building this whole character that, my character kind of came first a lot of the times in, in a lot of the music I was writing back then because I'd be like, oh, would this fit me and would this whatever? I never really rap about personal problems or anything like that because it just didn't fit that character I was building. 
And then over time, I will just skip ahead there, but just ended on that was that I realized it wasn't me. Like I'm not that person and people were seeing through it, I think over time, which is what caused me to change away from that whole character persona. So if I understand correctly, at a much earlier age than most humans, you made the epiphany that people really weren't into you faking some shit for attention. Absolutely, yeah. They, they just knew me. And then I was a really shy kid. Uh, I wasn't outgoing. Like, yeah, I'd do the freestyle and stuff, but I needed some beers in me and stuff, too, at a house party for that to happen. It wasn't just me out. I you know, wasn't the most popular. I had my friends, but uh, I just wasn't that character. And that character gave me the confidence, I think, to become what I am today because it switched got me out like it's not me it's enterprise doing it so it made me more confident which I think did well for me in the long run where I am now really so would you argue then that that was almost like an embodiment of who you wanted to be maybe uh an embodiment of yeah okay, maybe not like a serial killer type parts but like... <laughs> embodiment of me wanting to be that outgoing person yeah for sure and break out of my shell and to be that entertainer for sure that was uh and i was like i said i was shy so i wasn't really the entertainer but this guy was so yeah it was who i wanted to be minus the dark lyrics of it all fresh that's dope again that you were able to like start doing all this at such an early age you busting through you put it out you discover early that's not how you get famous fair enough yeah so what happens after that? Uh, after that, like I said, I pursued it for a little bit with that Enterprise character till my early twenties, and yeah. then uh, I, like I said, I put it on YouTube. Hopefully, you know, one day somebody's going to hear it, and I'll get a record label deal the next day. Doesn't work like that. I was naive, and then I quit music for a bit. I wrote, but I never released because life hit. I, you know, I got myself a girlfriend and you know a family life hit me so i got to get a job and you know got to work my nine to five and pay and i just didn't have time for the recording and music and to me at a certain point definitely between i'd say like 24 and 27 i'd say roughly it wasn't worth it to me i i didn't see it going anywhere and that was the shyness of me again not like wanting to break out i wrote all the time i just never recorded Jack it I kid. that catalog yes i did yeah and that's a three-year period of having a kid? Because I uh, had this no. theory. Oh, sorry, the, kid had, the kid I had, I was 26. So, yeah, I was in the middle of that period. But it was uh, 24 is when I decided to go to school for video editing. So my focus went on that. Okay. It just turned away from the music. And I wanted to be part of the art still in a way. So I went for video editing for uh, in college in North Bay. So. Yeah, that's super nifty. So you never really like stopped. You just pivoted. Uh, yeah, I needed more focus on that to graduate, and that's what I thought was gonna be my job. Really, was that within the TV field, really? And then uh, okay. I don't know. Something struck me again, like for music, and I I never stopped. And I was like, I'm gonna give this one more go, and here we are now. Really, that one more go is still going. That's fresh. So like when you were doing that first stint um, as the Enterprise, were you performing? No, just uh, house parties and stuff like that. That was it. And like my buddy did like a garage concert one time, so I performed on that. But that was that was it. Nothing like getting paid to do or go on tours or anything. No, I've never been paid. So I mean, it's, but uh, we I'm in Montreal, right? So there was just maybe different 
um, opportunities for venues and buyers and, and things like that. What's it like? So what's like the, the scene? I guess if you said at that point you're back in Gatineau or no, that, you when then, then I was in North Bay when I was pushing the enterprise and it's not even a hip hop city like at all. There's like no venues there. The only local artists I would play would be at this one bar and they were just the same rock band over and over again. I, I can't remember the name of them, but that was it. Like that and country music. That was it. There was no spots for hip hop. There was no spots for that unless you went to a house party with other 17 year olds, but they're not going to pay you to play at their house party, you know? Nah, but it's just even in general, not even about the money side of it, just the opportunities or whatnot. But that's a nifty point, like to be an MC in a place that literally has no opportunities to perform. And I, I word it like that because sometimes people lack perspective on where they are and what opportunities are in front of them. But I think that's a really like fascinating point because you're 17. It's not like you can just go places easily, right? Like you're kind of stuck to yeah. your surroundings. So. And then even as you get a little bit older, I mean, you're probably not like rich enough to pop off around and do all the things you want to go do. Yeah. Working part time at a grocery store. I was still living with my dad. You know, there was no way I could have done anything besides just live off the money I had. And at that point, all my money was going to weed and booze anyway. So <laughs> ah, that's fair enough. I could say that that was a huge priority of mine for a very, very long <laughs> It's still a priority, but not as huge. There's other ones that are more important now. Um, but, like, I just am fascinated by that because I don't often think about, like, this smaller town person's grind. Usually the people I talk to um, have come from, like, a Montreal or a, a place that has, like, places to go do this stuff, like Brampton or some places like that, which have a yeah. couple of spots, right? So I just had never thought about it, which is why I wanted to just stop there for a little bit. Um, so at that point, you give up, life kicks in, and I can see how you wouldn't be perceiving these opportunities. I don't think it's shyness at that point. It's almost pragmatism. Like, you know, the whole world that that is definitely telling you to, you know, pipe dream this and all that bullshit that people say to us, right? Grow like, up and get a job, right? Like, you're, you're, you're a man now. Grow up and get a job. So you know, that's, big facts. Yeah, that's I mean, what it was. So then you get the job, you start doing the thing, and you go to video editing school, which is truly fascinating. And you said, if I'm not mistaken, you weren't necessarily interested in that when you were younger. So what <clears throat> made you more fascinated or decide to take this like pivot and route in that direction? Um, I don't know. I started filming these like random videos for with my buddies and stuff, these little comedy skits, and then... I, I, when I, I hated doing the filming of it, I, I, but I would film it anyways, but it was the fact like getting the footage afterwards and taking all these raw shots and kind of like with music, taking these rhymes and putting them together to make a story. So that's mm -hmm. what I fell in love with, with the editing, which I think played a huge part of my love for music was I took all these just random shots, like even my buddy skateboarding, doing skateboarding videos and piecing them together in the editing program for a beginning, middle and end, like a kind of a, a lengthy story. So that's what made me really fall in love with it. And it's just that whole process, like I said, compared to the music, it's kind of pretty similar, really. Okay. I mean, I'm not into production or like a lot of that. So I don't empathize fully with it, but I also kind of do the more I learn about it. So like my whole relationship with video editing, is, it's like it was forced upon me. And after literally years of doing it um, in ways I didn't like, I finally gotten into the idea that it's kind of fun. 
as long as I don't actually have to. I, I would executive produce in my dream. I would sit behind people and look at what they do and backseat drive my way to success. That sounds like the dream. But Brad, a rapper and Habits World LVM are all up in here. Habits and RAP. Shout out to you guys, man. Thanks for coming on. So I just figured we should get him the love that they came through. And again, and thank I'm you. drinking on Budweiser. That's all happened. What are you drinking on? Budweiser. <laughs> That's fresh. Um, I never got that into beer, but I respect it. It's very Canadian of you, Mr. Canada. I've always been a beer guy, you know, so not really much into the hard liquors or anything else, really. Like, you know, I don't even really smoke much anymore. So it's just have my few beers at night, calm down, watch a hockey game. As Canadian as you can get, man, really. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and you're so sincere about it, too. So um, tell us more about the video editing journey. What's it like to go to video editing school? What do you, like, learn about there? Is it worth going to video editing school? Well, or should funny, you go on that YouTube shit? The funny thing was when I went to, and signed up for the course, I signed up for the one in Ottawa, and I got turned down. So they didn't accept me, accept me at the Ottawa one. So back in North Bay, where this all started, they accepted me. And when I got into it, it was TV broadcasting and editing that I got into. But a lot that we were learning was behind the camera filming. So I actually almost dropped out because we weren't learning about editing, which is what I wanted to go for. And then um, what kept me in was we had an editing class and a studio class. And my love for hockey, we got to film hockey games. So that was really kept me into it. I almost was very close to dropping out. And then um, the, the editing aspect, like I said, just we would shoot uh, anything from commercials to um, infomercials to like, um, I can't think of the word, like, um, ah, man, I can't think of it. Uh, like, you know, uh, like don't do drugs kind of thing. Like uh, PSAs. Yeah, PSAs, public service announcements. <clears throat> yeah. And then doing our own stuff on the side. Like uh, I always loved filming the skateboarding and editing that together. And uh, so, yeah, it just went from there. It was funny because I was very close to dropping out. And then uh, what kept me in was like, yeah, but you get to film the hockey game. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll stick around for this for a little bit. And then I built my love more and I got to learn of it. And I wanted to do music videos was a big part too. So I wanted to learn how to edit because I wanted to learn how to shoot music videos. So I stuck with mm -hmm. it on that till the end. I graduated. And then, uh, yeah, that was a two-year course. So met the love of my life in that school, and it was one of the best times of my life for sure. So would you say it's, like, worth doing it? Or, like, like do you think there's value? Because it costs money to do this shit, if I'm not mistaken. So like, Oh, yeah. Is there, like, a real ROI in, like, going to a school versus, like, skill sharing and trial by erroring your way with it in, like, 2021? Like, which would you say, having done that route, which which do you think is the better route at this point for people? Uh, Money-wise, if you want to save money, you can pretty much do a lot that I learned from trial and error, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe not the studio stuff like live and stuff like that filming live and, and having a switcher board and editing live on the fly that stuff you have to be in the environment to really learn it uh but a lot of it you can just learn like especially with editing programs you can find it a tutorial on anything man that i learned from a teacher i could have learned from a guy telling me on youtube in fact they would put youtube clips of tutorials in the class i do it i swear to god <laughs> <laughs> so 
you either if you want the college experience and the fun time of it but it costs money go do it it's a lot of fun i i, I would do it again 100 because just the whole experience of it was a blast but if you're you're not into that and you want to save money just uh learn learn on youtube like i did through school <laughs> i would i would say skillshare is probably a little better happy medium it's ten dollars a month usd or whatever everyone can afford that but no yeah. that's I like your honesty. I like your honesty because the experience thing is important. I didn't necessarily like that's the one thing I kind of like kind of wish I had more of was more of a college experience like you see on TV type shit. But that's the best you get yeah. if you don't have it is what you see on TV type shit. Um, that was a big reason I went to it because I like hit a spot where I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, all right, I'm going to just randomly dive into this and get the experience I want to get and have a fun two years doing it. So that was more of the incentive than learning the editing was I wanted, like you said, the college experience and I'm happy I got it to be honest. Yeah. You met the love of your life. Best investment you ever fucking made. Absolutely, man. I would have paid double, triple and even more. <laughs> nah, that's, that's good, man. She, she's important. I don't know. It's always good to shout them out. Love you, bunny. Um, so what made you then, what did you do after video editing school? went into construction. <laughs> I moved back to, I had my best friend here in the Gatineau region and he had his own company. So I went and joined him because the pay was incredible more. I had opportunities for the local TV stations in North Bay, uh, but the pay was dirt cheap and you had to start off as a volunteer on top of that. And uh, I was planning to spend my life with this girl. I meant I wanted a family and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to do something that I can get money. So I'm going to work with my best friend in construction while having time to go back and dive into the music, which was the blessing in the long run, really, that I went back and went that route, in my opinion. I mean, evidently the route you took brought you to the place where you're at in life where things seem to be going pretty good for you. So I would say it was a pretty good route to go. Yeah, and I wouldn't change it all, any of it either. It was a fun way to get there. <laughs> so how did you actually transition back into music? yeah like how did how did that kind of be like it just kind of you kind of like went fast with that so like what made you go all right let's go back into music what did you actually do how did you conceive uh, king canada uh yeah king canada started like pretty much uh right after college near the end because i did a studio show in college my last year where they wanted to interview somebody uh and they wanted to bring in a musician and he canceled and then I remember telling my friends that I rapped in the past. So they brought me on as the interview through the school as the musician. And then uh, I didn't want to bring up the enterprise kind of stuff. So I kind of lied and just said I went by KC, King Canada. And then that name kind of stuck. It was more me at the time. So it was funny how that came about. And then um, once I finished that and everybody was even high-fiving me on it, wanted to talk, wanted to hear if I still had music out from back in the day and I couldn't find it anymore. I just didn't have access to any of those songs. So I started writing and recording again on like cell phone at that time, actually. And then, um, I don't know, I just, something in my head when I was doing the construction, uh, it was very decent hours for the construction. It was morning to, you know, I'd start at five in the morning, but I'd finish at noon. So then I had all this afternoon time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to dive in. I have so much more life experience to talk about now. So much of like more to say than I ever had before. 
So I put it out onto the music and then I, I just didn't find the enterprise that character I built in my head was fitting. So I stuck with the, the KC King Canada name. So what kind of influences do you have coming into this? Were you still into the grandiose city of like the psychopathic universe? Or are you now at this point driven by a completely different style? Uh, definitely a different style. At this point, I was really admiring the independent artists of the game. Uh, I, I was still a fan of Eminem, but I like I still am, but I just didn't have as much. I was really going into, I really became into Tech 9 at one point and all the whole uh, strange music label, Stevie Stone, as you can tell with my music, massive fan. Uh, the Chris Webbies, the Mercules, um, those, those kind of artists is kind of what I started listening to at that point and realizing a lot of these guys, like even Mercules, kind of started off really grimy himself, and then he evolved into what he was telling his story. So I kind of related with him a lot. Like I need to evolve as an artist myself. So that's how I pretty much started evolving and putting me as a person out there, and not me as a character out there. That's a good transition to make. So where were you getting beats from at this point? Uh, beat packs and stuff like that. At first, I leased beats. There's uh. Uh, site I used to use called Jija that I used to use. In the- I know Jija. <laughs> yeah. I fucking did one of the their second contest ever. I participated. I did the contest in. too, man. Yeah, I did it too. So yeah, I leased from them, and then uh, it was beat packs for a while, and now I still get the uh, some exclusives here and there. I get never lease anymore. It's either unlimited rights or exclusive. But it was definitely back then. It was just leasing beats with a contract, and you know, beat packs where you can get like the hundred beats for you know, $20 kind of thing. I sincerely didn't know any of that shit existed, especially beat packs until like a, a little bit ago. I'm not even going to lie to you. I just didn't know. I swear I went through the whole thing and I just always managed to encounter people who made beats and I always managed to get pretty great opportunities with that. It like, it, it turns out people, if you just rap on the shit beat makers can't sell, they'll often give it to you for free on some, I just want to see it become a song shit. And so there's a yeah. lot you can do with this networking game as long as you like hit the people's up is what I learned. And I'm but getting that. About, <laughs> but I don't even know about beat packs, which like honestly, um, yo, shout out Siren Siren Z. I don't know if I said that right. Sorry, Siren Z. Shout out Siren, man. Thanks for coming on. Yo, it's always big love to have people come. I really appreciate it every time. Like you said, we haven't been at 16 viewers in a fucking minute. So thank you for being such a fascinating character is my feeling on that. Um, so the beat pack thing really gives you a lot of potential is what I learned, especially if you want to go that like mixtape, like small scale, high frequency route. Like, yo, I just didn't even know. So like, I don't hate that, man. $20 beat packs, you get a bunch of shit out, you start writing. And then uh, what happens at that point? How are you releasing it? Is this all the stuff that's available now or is this like stuff that's not as available now? No, the very first project I did starting back up really writing was an album I did called Glitch in the Matrix. And that was, uh, I released that exclusively just through Bandcamp. Uh, I, I have some of the songs still on YouTube, but I didn't put it on Spotify. I didn't put it on anything like that. It was straight up on uh band camp is where i had it i took it off recently because i didn't know how to mix i didn't know how to master it was still laying it down and that's something i really studied on in the last 
uh, I would say two, two and a half years of like really studying how to make a song sound more like a song instead of me just talking over a beat. So that's something I've really picked up. And I'm still learning to this day because I do everything on my own. I do everything in-house. Uh, I wasn't privileged enough. I don't know any friends who make beats. I don't know any, anybody who's really into rap in my friend list, my all my friends growing up and stuff. I still have my friends I freestyled with, but they never pursued it or anything. So it was me alone and now networking now today, it's much easier. I've learned so much just from people I've never even met in real life. Like these people coming on right now, Habit and Otis and people like that. I've learned so much from these guys just without even meeting any one of them, really. Siren. Yeah, I can empathize heavy with that too. I didn't necessarily have the most network driven journey. I got lucky a few times and then, uh, then I decided to not talk to people for a while. And then when I looked around again, I didn't know anybody anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's actually like, it, it took me a long time to learn how important it was to actually network and reach out to people and, and do something like try to build something. So that's it's why huge. I, we'll get to your buildings and stuff, but so you put out, why is it called glitch in the matrix? It's a cool title. Uh, just cause I was, my whole life just changed and it like changed so quick at that moment. Like I had my son and then, uh, you know, like I went from like editing, like thinking I was going to be an editor to like construction to be like, I'm back in music. So it's kind of like it went from 18 to when I was writing that and it glitched that it, none of the in-between really happened. It was a big glitch that I was just right back. So that's kind of how the whole glitch in the matrix title came about on that. Mm makes sense i wish i could hear it you should just put out the unmixed stuff and all of it it's just your history there's a bunch of it on youtube still to, to this day like i did the husband and wife song that's on youtube uh aggressive behavior there's a whole bunch of them on youtube no nah, i mean i mean people would cop that on Bandcamp, my guy you're underselling how good it is to get that vintage vintage people want that old yeah. school king County and i made money. sales on that through Bandcamp through that uh cd so shout out to everybody who did buy it it just uh once i started learning the mixing it just wasn't I don't know. I, I didn't, I wanted quality and it just didn't fit what I thought I can do. So. Mm, I totally respect that for real. Uh, unfortunately the links, if you post them in the chat are not going to show up. So I will get you King Canada Spotify link and I will share it cause it's, it's a quick second. I don't think you're going to mind if I'm taking a second to share your Spotify link feels like nope, usually people like that. Spotify, all one word. <laughs> There's also been a thing circulating. It's ter I think it's every 20 minutes I said it. That'll plug your Instagram, your Bandcamp, and your YouTube. That's been popping off. So yeah, I've been keeping like, an eye on that. <clears throat> so I appreciate you, man. Well, I realized people kept going, links in the description, links. And I'm like, man, there's bots. You don't have to do that no more. In the future, <laughs> people watching, links in the description. You know? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I feel like it just it should be implied. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just like overselling what other people do. Sometimes we do that in our little perceptions of the world. Um, so what happens after you drop that? Do you start performing? Or are you basically just still doing this online because of your location? Still doing it online through all that whole glitch in the matrix. And uh, that led to this whole thing was this glitch in the matrix. Uh, was that album because... I never had features before. Like I said, none of my friends pushed it or recorded. So I never had features unless it was my cousin would have been the only one 
that I would have had as a feature in the past because he did keep up with it, but I don't want to go into his story. But anyways, uh, so we, I did that. So I wanted to find features and I didn't know how to go about doing it. And then I had people tell me about these, you know, new rap Facebook group an independent hip hop Facebook group with like a hundred and some thousand members. I'm like, Holy cow. I didn't know about this, but then little do you know, you post your link and it's all spam. But uh, so I, but luckily because of those groups, I, I met all these people. So it did work out, but you're lucky to get one person to listen to it out of the 100 K and you're lucky to get that person to listen to it. You know, so I, as that. That was a very, like, I love that you said that moment. I did have a couple of good moments on those Facebook groups in my history. Um, I met a guy because he made a petty-ass post, like, Bet nobody's going to give it a like. I'm like, oh, yeah, motherfucker? <laughs> Clicked on that shit, and I sent a screenshot. And that worked out really fucking well. I got booked off of that fucking move. Like, literally, that guy ended up getting me. It was like, yo, I don't know anybody. You want to come to the show with me? And I'm like, wait, what? And that came out of a random ass rap group. Um, but yeah, mostly I agree with you. They're like, like, I still see a lot of people posting a lot of things in there, but I've done tests where I've literally posted 15 links, stared at my Spotify for the next hour kind of thing. Watch it. No, cause it tells you active listeners, right? So you can yeah. get an immediate fucking response and it's within like a minute or whatever. And you can see right away if fucking people are listening or not. So it's like you get that data in real time. And unfortunately, the data is like, this is a lot of work. And you don't get a lot out of it. But you do get, okay, no. the worst part is, is like, so there's one time, I'm not going to say names. This person is basically like, yo, if you follow, follow, whatever, we'll put you on our little playlist. And yeah. then they, they put me on the playlist for a minute. So, of course, I follow the fucking playlist. And then I go look later, and their playlist number is nice. But now, like, a month, two months later, they've stripped off everybody that's not their core squad. And I'm like, oh, that's sneaky. So like, it doesn't matter who it is. But people do things like that, too, with this in these Facebook groups where it's like, yo, it's really about artificial number inflation. And I'm like. Yep, absolutely. And you get those ones hitting you up like, oh, pay this for a certain amount of views on Spotify in 24 hours. It's like that you're not building up a fan base there. For one thing, they're bots. And another thing is no one can guarantee you a set amount of views in 24 hours. It's just like you, you can't guarantee that because how are you going to guarantee people listen? And with bots, these places you're talking bots, about, it's like 500, uh, like 5,000 followers on the playlist, but how much are actually active listeners or people who just follow to get on the playlist? Those are great fucking questions to ask the whole universe when you're looking at all of this stuff. Yo, people yeah. post numbers, man, and I'm like, do you know what you're actually doing to yourself when you post that scorecard? Yeah. You just told me nobody likes you. I mean, it looks like people like you, but you told me with the ratios that people don't like you. And it's fascinating to watch how, like, this all plays out. But nobody ever hits me up asking me if, like, like to sell me views. So I don't know if I'm doing something wrong or right if people are not oh asking me that. Oh my God, my messengers filled daily with a guy who wants to animate a video or sell me views. It's unbelievable. Mm. That's that's an unfortunate part of the future. And to go to somebody on the comments there actually said follow for follow doesn't work. It is true, but it has worked for me in the past to, for a lot of people that are in this chat room right now. It actually started as listen for listen and follow for follow and then the people who would respond 
that actually quoted a lyric of mine or said why they liked it. They actually list. There is some true people in there. Mm, I would but argue thousand. You're gonna get one or two. So follow for follow is not the same thing as listen for listen. That that's true. Yeah, you're right on that. Yeah. I would argue listen for listen is brilliant as fuck actually, and um, yeah. It's a lot of people out there. I wish I had the time to listen. Um, but listen for listen is nifty because it does allow you to have people pay attention. And I, I, I when I when I first peeped the bring the bars thing, I did try. I tried so hard, and I'm like, man, it's like it's hard to do that. So I respect all of y'all that can on some like time commitment shit because it's like the only thing I can say is, man, for every four minute song, it's like four minutes, and then you add that by like a hundred, and it's a lot of time. So yeah, the, you the can't you can't go through it all, man. It's impossible. <laughs> but like, so I don't know how to pick and choose it. It comes choice paralysis when it, when I see like eighty nine fucking comments on a post. I'm like, what? It's like the first three get all the love. Is Google first actually counts for something, and that's it. You know, or most relevant, depending on how your search is put in that shit. And there's also but, more people in our the bring the bars that will get the more comments or likes because these people are also the ones who commented on their songs so they're more inclined to check them out like there's certain artists on there that get bigger numbers because even on the ones that never check them out in return they still comment as on as much as they can not really expecting to listen in return but people remember that like oh this guy's been sharing my stuff and i'll check his out now that he posted so yeah, just this is such a fascinating topic to me, right? Because we don't often get to actually talk about follow for follow ever in my life. I um, so I like the way you're manifesting it because it's not really about like views and fans. It's really networking. You guys are building yeah. this follow for follow scheme as a way to pre-screen who got the right business ethic, who got the right attitude, and it allows you to vet people. So it's effectively just a vetting platform that you've created. What? It's a networking platform for sure, and I, not follow for follow. No one's forced to follow anybody in the group. You follow if you like the music. That's one thing we're really adamant about, and no posting of really follow for follow, and no posting your links under other people's links. There's certain rules to the group, and then if you like the person, follow them, ask them for a collaboration. Most of them, they won't be like, okay, I'll charge you this amount of money for a collab. We're all in the same tier of of uh, status really of fame i guess or whatever and uh it's just a place yeah the network can meet people to collaborate but it got too out of hand and it still is now with the original which is why i created the private group but that's the whole that's the evolution yeah, we'll, of it now yeah we'll get we'll get there i just uh, um because that's like more of like your story i know it's getting all discombobulated i'm following yeah. it, but man I just really love talking about like fucking marketing in general because what works what doesn't i don't i don't know i have my theories but the way you manifested your group and just that concept i wouldn't call it follow for follow i like that listen for listen that's an interesting yeah. philosophy um it worked for me with pod like interviewing i don't know how, oh shit i should hit that dude up for an interview that's kind of rude of me having anyway so i watched man's channel he watched my channel i ended up getting interviewed by him etc we became homies and shit and it kind of like it is a really effective way to like find peers when you're mm -hmm. looking for peers um all right fair enough so let's go back to like jump it back a little bit so you drop your high uh, glitch in the matrix and then uh i think at that point you're still in north bay or have you moved no i'm in Gatineau at this point yeah i'm in Gatineau at this point so is there um 
Gatineau, is th is this got like a scene going on in Gatineau, or are you guys just part of like the Ottawa scene? I'm more part of the Ottawa scene, I would say. We got like French artists, I guess, uh, but I don't listen to that. Like I know one, uh, Broken Bridge was very popular in the Gatineau region. Uh, they they kind of had a little name for themselves, but that's the only name I can say I know. Uh, it was more the Ottawa scene, but I just like kind of moved back, so I didn't know anything about the scene here. I did this all just through my own whim and then finding my own special way to network is what I did. And then, uh, like I said, I was trying to find features and then I found out this was a way to do it. So then I got some and then it clued in my head. I'm going to make a whole collaboration album with a bunch of people. We can all help each other get our names to who they know and then they can get into who I know and just build it up uh, from there. And then uh, like I still wasn't doing shows or anything. This wasn't even that long ago. This was uh, a little bit pre-COVID really, a year before COVID. And then finally when I built my name for myself where I'm thinking I'm going to push shows and stuff, COVID hit. So kind of went. Right, let's uh, go back to that collaboration album. You're going to have to go into more details and tell us more about this, expand on it, the history, yeah. all this good stuff. So like I said, Glitch in the Matrix, I was looking for collaboration and I hit up like 10 different people in those Facebook groups we were talking about. And then in my head, I was like, uh, you know, I'm still the shy person, nervous guy. I'm like, oh, maybe they won't like it. They won't hit me back. So I'm going to hit up, bulk hit up so many people. And then after I realized, like I only wanted one or two features for the Glitch in the Matrix that out of the 20 people I hit up, 12 responded so then i was like holy cow okay it's kind of easier to get these features than i thought and so and then it built like after that like i was just finishing up the glitch in the matrix and then while i was doing it i had the idea i'm going to do a whole collaboration album uh i want every song to have a feature on it and all these guys who came back to me and said yes i heard their music so i liked their music and the fact that they said yes after hearing mine pumped me up and motivated me so much to have them on a song. And I was like, what's a way to get all these people who reached out to me, uh, reach back to me, I should say, on a song and on songs. And then I said, I'm going to do this global domination album because I had people from the UK, uh, Australia, and all these people hitting me back up, these different genres, like styles of music. And then I was saying, yeah, I'm going to come up with this idea. And then it became global domination. That was before even Bring the Bars. Global domination was kind of the birth of Bring the Bars that's cool man and i think it's like really cool was it hard to make i mean that sounds like a heavy amount of project management coordination it was and especially getting the people who said they would and then the, you get those ones oh my verse will be sent to you next week a week goes by oh my verse will be sent to you next week another week goes by and i'm trying to come up with already release dates and stuff like that it was more hard to manage to filter out who was serious and who wasn't that was the harder part than actually putting it together and then it pushed me out of my comfort zone because I'd hear a guy like let's say Otis Isaacs was in this group I heard his sound and it was totally different than Siren Cyrese's sound so I'd write a song based on their sound and their style to fit their way so that we would mesh together on a beat so that's how that part was not challenging to me it was fun it pushed me out of doing stuff that I wasn't used to doing but the challenging part was getting everybody back that said they would to try to filter out, okay, who's serious about this and who isn't. So how many, how many people did you end up working with on this project? On the first global domination, I'm working on part two right now, but the first one was, uh, we had 14 artists. 
Yeah, this is a really nifty idea. I like it. It's one of those ideas I'm going to write on a list and steal one day and implement in my own way because it's fucking blessed. <laughs> it's a really cool thing that you did there. And it's like really in line with like like the modern way of doing things, I would call it. And I mean that like back in the day, you would have pulled this off by like taking a bus to a fucking city and dropping off mixtapes. And yep. like there are a lot of manifestations of what you're describing in the physical real world, but we don't mm -hmm. often have people who describe the digital hustle in an effective way. I like in an effective way, normally, yo, especially Facebook, like who the fuck leverages a Facebook group for fucking success in 2019? <laughs> Like what? Yeah, like, what you gotta We're probably in like fifteen Facebook groups together, and I'm just like, fuck that shit at this point. Like I just made yeah. a post earlier today about how I approved somebody into a Facebook group, and I thought it was funny that somehow I have the authority to approve this guy in this random <laughs> fucking group. Like, what fuck? Who's in charge? I don't know, but approve. You can yeah, it, my friend. It was crazy. It started just wanting a feature for my album. So then I just hit everybody up and then I got all the responses back. And out of all those 14 artists on Global Domination once, out of everybody in that group, I never met one person in, in person. So I have another so, question related to this because project management is a fascination for me. How much time do you have to spend chatting to launch this shit? Like, you're, how many people do you have to message for the, How much time does it really take? Like, let's say somebody's going to come in and be like, I'm going to go replicate this guy's model. What would be like a fair assessment of how much effort you're going to put into research and networking before you can even really get to that point where you're really like working with people? A lot, man. A lot of time went into it, um, especially researching their music was a big thing because i i really will go in and listen to them like i said i tried to write to their style so uh, it started with that it would be a guy i like so i really went into his music and then kind of like before i even hit him up i'm writing a song based on his style and this way of how he does his music and then i kind of hit him up afterwards saying i got a song idea for you are you interested so it started with the listening of their music writing the actual song and then hitting them up while my parts already finished being written so that and that to get them to trust you because so many people in this group when i first hit them up are like uh is this a scam or like you know like who are you they didn't have any faith in me so you had to keep this rapport going with them and a lot of these guys i chat with every day about not just music now but about life in general and i consider them all really good friends of mine even though i'd never met them but they're considered really good friends of mine your big time knowledge nuggets. I'm kind of going through my <clears throat> manifestation of that. I'm certainly not as social as you. Um, so I have way less people I talk to regularly. But for real though, you start off on this networking tip. You meet some people. You do a one-two thing. And the next thing you know, <coughs> you're looking at their baby. And you're like, that's a real baby in my face. And yeah, like, surpassed my expectations immensely. I couldn't, I cannot believe even where it is now and how this whole thing just kept evolving into something different and different and bigger and like all but starting I, off with hitting that first person up going hey man i was just curious if you'd like to be a feature on my glitch in the matrix album <laughs> oh my gosh i can yo if you hit me with that i would be like bro who the fuck are you <laughs> exactly <laughs> so how would you hit, how would you hit somebody today what would you do right now you're coming in, it's 2021, you want to seduce a person to uh, be a little feature. How do you Well, now up? it's different today because they're coming to me. 
Uh, I'm not really. Oh, oh so, so. Well, you know what I mean. Like, there's still guys I reach out to, but they hear of the bring the bars group nah, from. I love that. You should have your swagger. Y'all gotta know this guy's <laughs> popping right now. I have big respect for everything. He deserves to be that to grandiose with it. But let's say with that sage advice that you could give, how would you hit up somebody today? Uh, li really listen to their music first and show you're a fan of theirs and quote a song and be like, yo, man, I listened to this one song. This song was so dope. And like you, you kind of give them feedback on their music, kind of all about their music first. So they know you're not one of these other guys like follow for follow kind of thing. And then you hit them up with, uh, uh, you know, I really like how you did this one song. Would you be interested in, maybe in the future of uh, doing a collaboration? I have this song in the works that I think you'd be a perfect fit for. And that's how pretty much it just goes from there. So that is bad nifty. But oh, fuck, I had a question that was more better than what I was thinking. My brain blanked for a second. So you hit people up and you give them feedback. That was my question. How do you give feedback? I'm super curious where you go with feedback. Uh... Quoting lines is a big one. What your favorite thing, and even to the ones, something you, I don't do it often because you don't want to like push the guy away, but quoting like, oh man, if you would have done this on the mixing here at this part, or even like criticize, not criticizing, like trashing it, but showing that you really listen and be like, hey, if this was added, this would have been perfect. Or if there's a certain line or a hook, like you, you really show you listen to the song, like you not just bullshitting through it, like it's playing in the background and you're like, oh, I heard it. I liked your hook, like, you know, but no, mm -hmm. you didn't pay attention to one word in the thing. you got to pay attention to the music, especially if you want to work with them. You want to know their music. So that's the way I always looked at it. Yeah, I, I completely respect that a lot. He totally did hit me up with this feedback business. This really did happen in my life, so I can remember that conversation at one point or another. I think I reacted funny to it or whatever. I'm like, I don't like fucking feedback. <laughs> Which is, because I'm in a weird place with it where, like, I don't know. I just, I, like I said, choice paralysis cripples me sometimes, and I'm, like, learning how to just be like, you know what? I'll listen to, like, the seven people who I admire and everyone else. I'm trying to actually learn how to get feedback better because I don't necessarily want criticism. A lot of times I don't like having to like explain my choices, but somebody gave me something that was really like profound on that topic. Ask for like how they felt their emotional reaction to your music. That's the, I feel the exact, you hit it right on the head there. Criticism. I, I take it and I don't take it personally when people give it to me and I still get it. But, uh, the joys about music like i've always said is you can have 10 different people and they all have a top 10 different artists like their top 10 are all different so uh this guy doesn't like this middle part but the other guy loves it but doesn't like the beginning part but the other guy loved the beginning part like who's winning you can't please everybody so tell them maybe why you made the choices like you said what did you feel with this like some people have like a certain constructive criticism i would take would be just like you just weren't you on that. Like you didn't. Mm, like, I like no. that one. I would appreciate yeah. it if somebody said you sound fake. I'm yeah. A little ruder, but it like, was just like, that's not you. So I like that one and be like, okay, explain like why it wasn't me. And it's like, well, you went and you did all this stuff about this. And then like, I brought back the enterprise character, let's say, or something. It's just like, it didn't, it doesn't fit with what we got to know you for. So I like it when it gets criticisms like that and you take it and you learn from it. Man, <clears throat> my only issue with that is sometimes people give me these feedbacks and these criticisms. I'm like, mad valid points. I just do not give a shit. I'm going to do what I want. 
And then they get like, well, if you want me to buy your shit, I'm like, well, then I'll buy my shit, guy. I, like, you, know, you do gotta look at it that way sometimes. Like, you weren't gonna buy it anyways to begin with, even before the criticism. Sorry to say that, but like, you weren't gonna buy it anyway, so you know but i don't never take it hard i'm like thank you for your opinion i don't fight back with anybody i'm a very chill person mellow person i just if you don't like it that's fine i don't really care i got a bunch of people who do so yeah no i'm with you on that at like a at a, at a generalized level but then sometimes people really like push it like they, they like they don't like it that you don't accept that their feedback is a better decision <laughs> yeah. and i'm like how many songs yeah. did you write like like for real how how many I don't want to sound like this person that you're trying to tell me to sound like because that would be yeah. bad for my like brand or whatever like you i've literally had people be like i would watch your videos if you had girls shaking their tatas in them <laughs> it's kind of not really what it's about but yeah. i'm like this song's about work <laughs> like well, that what reminds me of is the people also who argue of like their favorite artists when somebody would be like, oh, my favorite artist is Tupac. And then another guy would come in and be like, oh, I don't like Tupac at all. The person who likes Tupac gets so insulted that this guy doesn't like Tupac. And they go at it. And it's like, who cares? Like, that one person likes them and one doesn't. You don't have to force your liking onto somebody else. If they don't like them, that's fine. If they do, that's fine, too. Mm, Same I with ICP is like, a good example of that. ICP, they're a love-hate band, like, all the way. But it's, like, a lot of times the way people approach that is, like, really polarizing, though. So, like, as an example, if you look at Tupac the figure, he's a very incredible man worthy of respect. Respect should be put on that man's name because of yeah. everything he did in life, regardless of his music. So if you're, like, a, a real, real Tupac fan like that, and then you just see people talking shit fragrantly on the guy, like, fuck that guy for whatever reason. You're going to have a bit of a reaction to it. Like, yo, man, don't be disrespectful on that shit. The guy's my hero. In the yeah. same way that a psychopathic fan is definitely looking at Violent J like he did shit for a minute up until whatever. You know, you, you all know why. But, like, up until then, it was like, yo, okay, that guy's, like, the dude. And it's like, so you're going to be a little defensive because you attach so much to your identity and your aspirations. Like, yo, this X thing is bothering me because your yeah. X was the dude for me when I was in high school. I would yeah, argue that there are parts fun. where, I mean, listen, Eminem's a default. We all get inspired by Eminem just on the default of it. But I like yeah. DMX more. Like, I like DMX's music more when I'm 15. Yeah. It's just better to me. I don't know how else to put it. So, like... You know, people disrespect DMX. There's a part of me that instantly is like, yo, fuck. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make sense. No, it's completely irrational. But that was yeah. like a guy to me like that. And I, I learned that as an album reviewer that like, that's how people are with their favorite band. And so you're not allowed to say negative things about people's favorite bands on the internet. Yeah. Or you get There's a difference it. also between disrespecting the person and what they did for the culture than not just liking the music. Like, you can say, like, I just don't like Tupac. I mean, like, for me, one, I get hate on a lot, and I, I've said it in my podcast as well, is that uh, I'm not a fan of Jay-Z. I, I respect everything he's done for his culture. He, yeah, he's a huge phenomenon, but his I just... music's so good. I understand it. Yeah, that's what I mean, but I'm not disrespecting the guy. I just don't feel the music. I'm so, Like, I love certain songs, like Dirt Off My Shoulder will always be one of my tops. 
and I, I argued this a lot, not argued, but told people you a lot. Ever I'm disrespectful to him. And I've listened of... to albums like full, full force. Have you just... ever done like a critical walkthrough of what makes a Jay-Z album brilliant? No, but I've played through the album. I just don't like the voice. I just, I just, Yo, I respect something that my ear. Jay-Z's yeah, voice I respect him a hundred percent. Totally but I just, hit or miss. He's, he's a brilliant writer though. And like his first album is, is flexing for days, and then he went yeah. in all directions. And like I'm, I'm, ad- I admire it. And then like 444 has that shit where like there's no four parts at a for every four bars at a beat, is like a unique experience that isn't like repeated. Like he's just yeah. incredible shit. But you said the voice thing. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, the respect is there 100 percent of what he's done for the culture, and I know he's a lyricist. Uh, he, he brings true meaning to the lyrics. It's just, I can't, I don't know why I can't get into him. It's just a, something in my brain doesn't let me, I won't hate it if somebody puts them on or something, but I don't go back to it. I don't, uh, when I hear it, I don't go back, except for songs like Dirt Off My Shoulder. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much the only one I can think of at the moment. But uh, like, because I was an Eminem fan, Renegade, I did like him on that. I liked uh run this town tonight with Rihanna, stuff like that. But it's nothing that I go back to. Yo, run this town is good. I was thinking of the other one on that album. The city of New York. Yeah. This shit's bad. Like, here's the thing, though. I think Jay-Z writes pretty timeless material. I want to just give him his flowers for that. You can listen to any Jay-Z song from any era of Jay-Z for the most part, and it still bangs today, if you're yeah. able to get past his voice. Yeah. Um, that, don't hate him don't disrespect him just that he wouldn't be in my personal top 10 but i can go back and listen so i wouldn't say i hate him or don't dislike him but yeah it just wouldn't be in my personal top 10 that's my opinion i no one likes it that's their problem they can have their own top 10. everyone has their own top 10. but i think part of it is um it's in the hip-hop spirit to be a little combative as in it's literally part of the culture from the jump right like graffiti arts battle for territories the hip-hop b-boy dancings literally battling each other so battling in a sense is just part of this right so sometimes i think people misperceive the arguments that are really just a battle of sorts of intellect and a debate like it's sports man i'm supposed to be fucking arguing with you about your top 10 yeah it's well put yeah you get it the same with sports man if you're from you to talk if you're a Leafs fan or a Habs fan, you're gonna get the arguments between the two fan bases, right? That made me stop watching hockey for real, real. <laughs> I'm missing the Leafs game right now. I'm a huge hockey fan, so I'm doing this out of respect to you. <laughs> nah, it's just fun times, man. I get it though on that hockey tip, but nah, for me it's like the the music thing like is like that for me. Like to me, it's like sports. Like I don't really yeah. get into heated debates about shit, but I'm so happy to wrestle with Eminem fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are, and just everybody has a different opinion. And you want to just like you said, it's a battle culture. It always has been. Uh, I look at it a little differently. Like I did the freestyle battles and stuff, and I love the competitive nature of it. But when I write a song with somebody, I don't go in wanting to beat them on the song. I really don't. I want to just make the best song possible. I don't go in competitive in the song i don't have that mindset with the person i like oh i'm gonna ruin you on your own track or something you know with the not line you know eminem killed you on your own track but like i don't go in writing to beat the person or hear their version and i gotta rewrite mine 
you know, I, I'm not like that when I'm collaborating with people. It's a team effort, in my opinion, and we're both just trying to make the best song possible. I totally hear you. And that's an interesting set of ideas. The first thing I heard is you are not from New York City. Fair <laughs> enough. The birthplace of hip hop where the culture is mad different. And I say that because I've not made friends and a, a guy I've become very close with who lives in Bronx. So you can imagine how, like, I'm learning what the fuck abrasive means and how Montreal is not what I... Montreal is not New York. I've learned yeah. that in a big way. I love um, the battle culture. I still love rap battle. I've I don't... It's, out, but it's not the... It's, everything. it's not so much the battle rap culture. It's that, that like, New York spirit is a little more competitive. Mm -hmm. Where's the birthplace of hip-hop? <clears throat> What's it being in 76? We're talking New York in the 80s. We're talking New York. Yes, it's in other places, but those places also got that spirit. But you had so, to stomp over. A, there's a lot of people who are reaching the same, a lot of people trying to aspire to be the same compared to North uh, New York to where I grew up in North Bay. I was like the only one New York millions all trying, but you got to step over the others to be better than the other person. But it's even it. more than that. Like, there's so much to the culture. Like, I could go into it for a minute, but it's just the nature of the city forced people to be a certain way. In the way that yeah. in Montreal, moi, je dois parler en français. Si je veux gagner d'argent, je dois parler cette langue. So it's like, if I can't just flip into French, you know, I can't make no money here. That's the facts of the situation. So we adapt into a multilingual thing because downtown Montreal is centralized. We don't have the same kind of... Um, so Montreal is done in a way where you have downtown and everything's kind of built around it. And then there's the West Island and the Far East. So those two places are very like localized because they're not built around downtown. A lot of people kind of group together. Then you get okay. to this more middle part of the city where I'm at. And it's just this melting pot because it's centralized around downtown. New York yeah. is almost entirely more that like broken, things like that. And a yeah. lot of places like Toronto are like that. So all these things kind of impact everything around you and your sound and your music and your energy and all of these different things so yeah absolutely yeah because of where hip-hop comes from in new york it's more like the spirit of shit comes from that so when you talk about it you almost want to puff your chest up a little bit more and get into it because every i mean like all of our favorite albums are so fucking intense my guy yeah <laughs> they are yeah, yeah, they got no. a whole different mindset. Like you said, it's competitive there. And and like I said, like I'm not the one who will try to outshine somebody else on the song. I just want to make the best song possible. But I'm competitive in nature because you have to be in this game. Like you got to be competitive where if if it's somebody else who's like, I think I can do a better song than you, then the competitiveness is going to come out of me and be like, I will murder you on this beat. Like if you want to be competitive in it, but if it's somebody I'm asking to be on a song with me, I don't try to out, uh, not outshine. Like uh, I can, can say I can try to outshine them because I want to be the most memorable verse, but I'm not trying. I won't rewrite and purposely try to bury them on, on my track that I asked them to be on. But if somebody has a beat, I'll write a song and you write a song. Let's use better. You better believe I'm going to bring out my A game and try to destroy you in that, that competition. Oh, fuck. That's a good idea. I could make that a competition that I do. Fuck it. Oh, I kind of do, but I could do it a little different. That's a nifty idea. Anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I don't know how to manifest it, but you got my brain going in a YouTube battle kind of way or something where, like, we, we do something a little vainer. Um, but, like, anyway. Uh, 
So yo, there's still more shit in your story that we didn't even touch on on the real. So bring the so you, you do your 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 domination album, world domination album, and then that comes out. You you project manage it to finesse. Do you meet Stevie Stone at this point, or does that come later? Uh, Stevie Stone was just through the producer I was hitting up. I never met Stevie Stone. Uh, I paid for those those features. I didn't meet him and ask him personally. Yo, Stevie, do you want to be on these tracks? I paid I paid for those features, so it's not. Uh, I won't brag and be like, yeah, me and Stevie are tight. Like, I never met the guy. I've seen him in, in shows, but I never met, like, went up to him, like, yo, can you be a verse on this song? So it never worked out like that. You know, it's funny. You got a whole bunch of Stevie Stone features to a point where it looks like y'all are homies. And like, <laughs> no, for real. Like, I thought you were friends. I swear. I thought you yeah. just like how to plug, but that's the impression you give off, right? That's a marketing move that's actually kind of dope. So like, yeah, I'll just write featuring Stevie Stone. I won't tell you like, oh, I don't know the. It's just, it features Stevie Stone, but uh, yeah, I paid for those. So, but you know what I learned? Gucci Mane paid for his features with people, and everybody paid for their features with fucking everybody. In fact, most mm. people pay for their features and shit. Almost yeah, nobody well, gets it, it for free. No, but yeah. almost nobody gets it for free. There's almost mm -hmm. nobody I've talked to in my life that's been like, yo, this person of quality and clout gave me a free fucking feature. That's never happened. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost like that's how they make money. So if you're their fan, it's like whatever. It's like they kind of expect you to pay a little bit because that's how they make money and they're professionals. So they're not going to do it for free for the most part. And yeah. then if you're in a certain clout tier, of course, they might do a tier for tap. But like, yo, nobody's handing this shit out. In fact, artists in a lower tier should stop, in my opinion. I know it's a bill contrarian to you, but I think a lot of people should stop doing free shit the way that they're doing free shit for the sake of it. The way you're doing it is on some networking, relationship building shit. So I would argue it's actually different than what I'm describing. So I want to clarify yeah. these aren't the same things. But I see some people that'll just like jump on features and not, I'm like, bro, you could have made like a hundo on that because that guy wanted you real bad and you didn't even like see it. But you also got to look at it like uh, if your latest song got a thousand views and this guy who wants you on the feature gets a thousand views on his own, why is he going to pay you when he's getting the same amount of they, they just won't do it? It's to get it's cross promotion is the way I look at it, the way I do my features with all these people and bring the bars. Uh, it's cross promotion. I'm reaching the people that I, that, that, that I never had before because they have their established fan base. It's not in the millions and anything like that, but it could be in the thousands and they're reaching mine within the thousands and we um, we rise up together. And I have to really like your music. I'm not just jumping on a feature to get your fans just because I want to. Like, I'm not going to hop on a mumble rap track just because I want to get, like, I, I need to like your music and I can be very critical of what I choose to feature with because if I don't like it, I'm not doing it. And in your case, it's also special because you put in a gajillion hours into business intelligence, scoping out a whole network of people you fuck with and this, that. And like, well, let's be real. You're you're doing the other version of this, right? You are doing a whole thing where you're paying in time, blood, sweat, and tears. So you are, in a sense, paying for it. It's just not directly, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to say that you are paying for it and that is still, in a sense or charging for it even with effort, time, blood, sweat, and tears. And there's like an effort yeah. and a cost that goes into that exchange that is not the same as other things I see happen where it's more like, yeah, I'll just do features and there's maybe a huge mismatch sometimes on my perception. But also the answer to your real question is, I have a feeling based on certain people are going to be a lot more valuable in five years than other people. 
and if you're hedging your bets on yourself that your value in five years is worth more than that guy in five years, charge for the fucking verse. That Why? Is, I actually like how you put that. That is, that is true. Uh, but the people I'm doing it with are people who I see being somewhere in five years as well. Like I said, when I put together global domination, the hardest part was filtering out who I thought was serious about this mm. and who I thought wasn't. That was the hardest because everybody's like, Oh, of course, man, I'll do it. And you hear a song of theirs and you're like, this is really good. I love you on it. And then you find out like this guy keeps like, Oh, next week I'll do it. Next week I'll do it. And like, you know, his last song was released like a year ago and he's just not, he's not doing anything. And then you drop it on YouTube once and not try to promote it any way you can. And, or invest in yourself. A big thing a lot of people don't do nowadays is invest in yourself, which is a huge key to a lot of this now is uh, that dream of getting famous overnight is almost impossible to obtain. It still will randomly happen to certain people, but you got to invest in yourself and you got to believe in yourself to make that investment. Yeah, that's big facts. And again, I think in your case, it's not the same thing, which is why I keep bringing it back because I don't want people to think I'm confusing you in this mix of people who do yeah, this yeah. free exchange thing. Yeah. Um, but I've seen it happen, especially in contest group land, where it's like, man, people are very like, I want to feature with anyone. And I'm like, anyone? yeah, that, yeah. Anyone, anyone? <laughs> you, see, you see what you're doing? Anyway, or they're thirsty about it, which is kind of weird to me too. I'm like, anyway but like you did the work though and i want to just re-emphasize that business intelligence is big it's what companies pay a lot more money for now than you would think there's a lot more that goes into business intelligence than most other things because it's what tells the marketers what to do and it's what makes the data-driven decisions so in a sense when you mined the groups and went through and found out of gold nuggets you went ahead and created these relationships on a squad that you want to build up mm -hmm. and then you put in the fucking network to build the squad yeah later <clears throat> so yeah exactly. what you did is a very powerful move that is built on collectivism and is a completely powerful thing upon which yeah of course we don't talk dollars in collectivism like i got people i'm building with that like too but even to that end if you can afford the money which is a big preface maybe there's power and value in offering it yeah yeah exactly you gotta yeah i said better myself man i don't know I'm just, uh, my thoughts on that. This is an interesting conversation I rarely get to have with people, I find. So sometimes it's just self-indulgent for myself on this platform. But um, I do want to know, after that album comes out, y'all push your shit. What happens in terms of your clout gain? Is it, like, worth it to do a huge collab album? Did it give you the return you were hoping oh, for? 100% worth it. It built to what I have now. It all started with that. And the connections I've made from that and through it, other labels, big shout out to Lost Voice Music, another label that is uh, unbelievable. And I met them through this process. Um, but yeah, 100% worth it. It took a ton of time. Not a lot of profit was seen back on it, but there was profit seen back on it from sales and stuff, but nothing insurmountable or anything big to be like, oh, I'm rich now or I'm famous. But what it built was that loyal uh, foundation of all these guys that now has become what it is today. And that led to my show on radio and that led to mm, the bring bar. Like it's insane. So I wanted to pivot onto that and move on with the story too. Cause we never even talked about your radio one time and that's so cool. So we got to talk about your radio now. <laughs> I'd love to. I need to take a quick bathroom break, though. Yo, That's do your cool. thing. So while you're doing <laughs> that, 
I'm going to go play one of your tunes if that's okay with you. Yeah, I'll be back in about five minutes, man. We got, like, um, an interesting question, in my opinion, uh, from Ishmael, who uh, asked, can he? Can you explain what attracts you to dark music? Because he likes it, but has trouble explaining it. I liked it, uh, like I said, the character part of it, the entertainment part of it. Uh, a lot of these guys, like, they're not like this in person, in real life. It's a character they built. So for me, it was uh, the character aspect of it, developing this character from scratch and uh, the entertainment aspect of it, really. You can do much more when you make this character, I find, like with uh, ICP with the Fago and all this stuff, Alice Cooper with the blood shooting out into the crowd. <laughs> the entertainment and just the character aspect of it, the entertainment aspect is what drew me to that, uh, the dark music for me. So it's just more that dark music coincidentally had more of that? Yeah, and more like fictional characters, like a movie, like a TV show. It just had, uh, like these guys weren't like, the, some were a little screwed up in the head, I would say, if you really dig into it, but so are people who rap normally, but um yeah just they built this whole persona and this whole character so that's what got me into uh, like the ICT with the wild cards and, and the joker cards i mean and stuff like that like that was that was smart and it built this whole um like entertainment genre really so in theory if people did this with really happy and lovey-dovey stuff you'd be with it still yeah, if they went that on to the, totally that spectrum. One guy, too, that I can say is not the dark music who built this character is, uh, I don't know if you heard of the artist, uh, I think he, he goes originally by TT, uh, DTF, but Little Windex is his character. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a character, and he built this character. And uh, some people still don't even know that's actually just a character. But, yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff entertains me. It, it adds the entertainment aspect to to the eyes and to the ears and makes it a whole experience. That's part of what attracted me to Lil Yachty. I know it's, uh, it's one that people don't expect, but he's got a little boat, he's got a little Yachty. Each of these things are clearly defined. He has not mumbled on a single damn song. If you actually listen, he doesn't mumble. But he also uses auto-tune in innovative ways and impacted like a whole fucking generation of people. Man, seminally a great musician. And uh, yeah, but it's the characters actually. He has really in-depth work in his like character building. He is like a complete emo artist over here, and then he transitions into this more grandiose, materialistic rapper person. But then on the other hand, that's his life, so he's keeping yeah. it real. So I can't hate him for it. You know, <laughs> I, I really, I really like him. I feel like yo, I've got people have tried me on this. I've brought up Lil Yachty lyrics, and they sound, he kind of sounds like a red man in his flamboyance, and I really appreciate that about him. And I think people don't give him the credit he deserves. But um, I understand you don't have to like him. Nobody has to like him. That's just my thoughts on that. But who are your top three, if you have a top three? Because Lindell loves it when I ask that. My top three, I think, changes constantly throughout the years. Uh, but my mainstay in it would be Big L, would be in my top three, always. That's a good one. Um, Holy cow, man, top three. I, I always have a hard time with this. Like I say, they, they, it just changes. Uh, like at one point, I would have had Eminem in there. and uh, But today, I would go Big L, uh, Stevie Stone. Not just because I have him on the features. I was a massive fan of his before, which I never bought features before, which made me want to do it. And um, a third spot's hard to fill, man. Um, 
You can just big, say King Canada. Big pun. Yeah, I, well, I would say myself, but uh, big pun I would have up there as well. So Ooh, I like that. Big LCV, big pun. And then if I went further, you know, you add in the Tech Nines, the MMs, Mercules. Uh, like it, they rotate. I guess the third spot would rotate depending on my mood that day because uh, it just changes all the time with me. I don't have a solid set top three. That's fantastic. No, I appreciate that, Stills. All right, because uh, we're trying to work on this question. Um, let me try and ask it in a different way that might be more apt to what I think we're going for. Which artist, and this is just an experiment, we're trialing it here. All what right. three artists had the most impact on you? Uh, Eminem, Big L, and Tech 9 Probably Holy had shit. the biggest. I think that's what you want, Lindell. We're asking it like this moving forward. This is the most streamlined it was ever asked. <laughs> yeah, not because yeah, my top three favorites will change depending on my mood, but that actually influenced me and my music and pushed me to do it. What were those three for sure? Thank you for that. I really, really, really appreciate it. So let's talk about how you got into radio. Man, I don't know. That happened so quick. Um, <clears throat> when I first originally was starting the Bring the Bars group, uh, to be honest, I don't even remember what came first to bring the bars or the radio show, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, I did the global domination, and then I was meeting all these artists. Like I said, I, I had conversations with these people outside of music and life, and I talked to them. And they would tell me, like, oh, man, you're good at, like, being a personable person. So I thought, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to start uh, Bring the Bars podcast was the name I had for it. <clears throat> and it was just a YouTube podcast that I wanted to do. And my very first episode, I asked an artist I worked with by the name of JP, the Pompophilian. People, I pledge for you guys to check him out. This guy is absolutely incredible. But um, yeah, he uh, he agreed to be on it. No fan base built up on it whatsoever. I did the very first episode and then Freedom K Radio hit me up right after that very first episode aired and said, we loved your podcast. Would you be interested in having a time slot on a radio station? And so Freedom K Radio. Uh, it's it's a website. It's a, a website radio. Uh, FreedomKRadio.net, twenty four seven. It's all hip hop. There's different podcasts on it, different shows. Uh, there's pure music slots. There's podcast slots. It's a radio station, a twenty four seven radio station. Uh, more marketed in the states. I'm the only Canadian guy on it. And uh, they, yeah, they just saw it. And they, I don't even know how they saw the podcast, how they heard about it, but they listened. They wanted me on. I had to send in like a resume to them. And then out of nowhere, they're like, okay, uh, in two weeks, can you send us our first episode? And I said, yeah, sure. And then they went from there. And then the Bring the Bars podcast became the show on radio and not just the YouTube show. Yeah, that's fresh. So how do you make your show? What do you do? How does it happen? Uh, uh, it's for radio, so there's no video on this one. Uh, how I make it happen was once I had the idea of bringing the bars, the networking group, like we said, what I wanted to do is make it different than all these other Facebook groups. So what I did is I gave people incentives. So the people who showed true networking and they were actually commenting on other tracks and like, you know, giving feedback to the artists. I saw that in the group. So I'd ask them to be on the show. Uh, so I picked them out through that. So people all wanted to go on radio, right? It is free. I wasn't all those other radio stations. Like you want to be on radio. Okay. Pay me this amount of money. I'll put you on rotation. No, this was all free. Uh, just showed that you were true for networking. And so they, the ones who showed it got on and then more people really started following those guidelines where now it became 
uh, you're put into a weekly random draw. All the artists that are in the private group of it now are in a weekly random draw that I do the draw generator online. All the names pull it up, and that's the guy I'm interviewing the following week. And it's been going like that ever since. And I broke it up into segments. I have a random bar segment in the show where uh, the guy who's not getting interviewed, just some random person gets their song uh, played during the broadcast in the segment called Random Bars. There's just a random person that also had their name pulled out of the draw, not for the interview, but just to have their track played on rotation. That's mad nifty. A lot of that is mad nifty. So how long have you been doing that now? Uh, I just finished episode 27 and I'm doing episode 28 tomorrow. So uh, pretty much since the pandemic started, I'm about on a, uh, about a year now, a little less than a year. So it's about every two weeks you drop one? Uh, every week, but in between I also do music specials of it and I do specials. So there's certain ones where it's just me, but all I do is just play a bunch of different artists' music. Uh, at the end of this month, uh, I did something, uh, Autism Awareness Month was this month. So uh, I, I donated to a charity for Autism Canada. And everybody who donated a minimum $5 will be on the autism special. So I have specials like that and it all goes to the charity. And uh, yeah, so most of the times they're interviews, like every two weeks is an interview, every every two weeks or like in intervals, it's like a music special or there's an interview. That's really dope though. And do you find being on a, on a internet radio station changed a lot for you versus being somewhere else like YouTube? Yeah, big time. It brought more eyes to the YouTube and brought more eyes to the Bring the Bars group in general. Like, I don't even know what the numbers that, but I didn't invite all these people to the group. I, I couldn't have went in personally and asked everyone to go. They're hearing it from word of mouth through the radio. Uh, you know, I get my, my monthly ratings through it and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's definitely impacted in a good way that I've used it to help other artists, but benefit myself at the same time because more people are inclined to follow the rules when they're getting something in return. Mm. So I kind of use it as like a, a uh, not a leverage, not that's not the word, but like incentive for people to follow what bring the bars is supposed to be about. If you want to get on the radio show, we'll show you're up for true networking. You don't have to like the person's song, but show that you listen to it. And if you don't like them, like don't, you don't have to follow. You don't have to, well, I'm not going to be like, oh, since you subbed to 15 people, you're in. No, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with, did you actually listen to the track and why did you like it or why didn't you like it? And that branched off into now different shows on YouTube, like Bring the Bars of whole channel on YouTube now. We're doing the BTB Awards coming up soon, which is going to be a, a fun show where we have everybody involved in it. And I'm looking forward to that. Okay, tell us a bit more about that. Uh, how about what you can reveal? Because I don't want you to like spoil whatever you can't spoil, you know? Uh, we, from the past year, we had nominees that were all brought up. We did a voting for the awards. We have a uh, uh, top mixtape. We have top album. We have top collaboration. Uh, we have top podcast guest. Uh, just some fun little awards like that. And throughout the show, it's not live, like I'm editing it together. It will air live on YouTube where we'll all tune in, but I'm editing it beforehand. I've got performers, presenters, uh, comedy skits. It's going to be a total production that I'm one of the most proud, like I'm very proud of what this is going to be become and all the people involved in it. There's, uh, oh man, I don't even know, like 20 different artists all involved in this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's really dope. And that's going to be something that you're going to do live somewhere or is it just going to be like a private event? 
what we're posting on YouTube, it'll be live to run for everybody to watch if anybody wants to tune in. And if you're not nominated or whatever, check it out for some good performances and anybody can tune in live. So, but the people nominated and stuff and winning the awards are all BTB members. You have to be a BTB member to be considered for any of the awards or nominations. Which makes total sense given it's the awards and you all yeah. about the proper networking games and the, the real investments of everything. Which I think is really admirable, man. I think, like, in this era where, like, a lot of people talk a lot on the internet about this and that and the problems of this and that. And you've effectively created a solution for a lot of people. And that's, like, a really impressive thing to do in this, this era. Like, I can't say I've been super active in your group, but, no, we, 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 we talked a few times. We cool. But, like, um, <laughs> it was more like watching how you you structured it and the way that you moderated it but also let it become anarchy but also let it didn't because you are it's like yo you're watching it you you you, you paying attention to who does what you run yep. that data analysis shit and you leveraging that data intelligence in order to find the right people to build with. and you can get removed from the group as well if you're spamming your links and you're doing the exact rules we don't want you to do, uh, you can be removed from the group. So I keep an eye on that because I wanted to keep it the tight-knit community that I've built. And, if, you know, a lot of people are, would say they're up for it because they want the free radio play. But once they don't show and they start spamming the links in everybody's comments, sorry, you're gone. That's not what this is about. And I want to say to you, because you're giving me all these props and stuff, I want to give props to you for how good of a host you are at this thing man for real i do this mm. for my podcast and you're really good at keeping a conversation going so all the props you're giving to me i want to give a little bit back to you so mad props to you you're really good at this right. i thank you so much for that i just try to steal from all the great people i think are interesting so i've been <laughs> writing down notes in my head the whole time in this conversation for real <clears throat> but uh what's his name nori on drink champs just praises motherfuckers all day long that's that's why people like his show people like that shit and it's sincere. You're a really impressive person. Um, I do. I do. Ooh, do your post need uh, approval from an admin, or do you just let it be anarchy? No, it can go. It gets posted. I keep an eye on it all, though. Uh, but no, it doesn't need to be approved by me or anybody. It can be posted if you're an artist. Uh, there's fans even in the group that aren't artists. They just check out the music. So I'm happy mm -hmm. it got to that point where we have people who just like underground music like all these guys are named like i don't listen to anything mainstream or even like even the tech nines and mercules much anymore i just listen to these guys because i am true honest fans of a lot of these guys so uh yeah feel free you post your music won't get censored you don't have to go through me just follow the rules of it even if you don't network you just don't spam your links and stuff but if you don't network you'll never get your chance at the radio shot but Feel free to share your music anytime. So People what is, will. What is, how, how do you network? Define networking in a visible way. Like, what does this mean to you? Let's say I want to jump in and do this. What do I actually yep. have to do to hit a threshold of this is network level? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so what not networking is, is drop a link once a week and leave the group. You don't take any time to check out one other thing in the group. Like you, and a lot of people, you know, we all have lives outside of this. I'm not saying every day you got to check out 10 songs and comment on them. But I see when you're commenting on other people's tracks, just listen to the music. That's it. I see it. I see in comment that you listen, like the post. Uh, you can share as well, but that's not even a big part of it. You don't have to share. Just listen. And I can tell when you're listening to when you're not to the people who just drop a link and leave compared to the ones that uh, drop links. But 
they're posting on the four previous posts before this. Like you said, it's kind of sucks sometimes the top five posts will get the first eyes you get on it. No one's going to really scroll through the page, but that's it. And just listen. Yeah, on the other hand, I bet guy who's post number 73 would feel so cool if that's the only comment that happens. Cause you know, when you scroll through, you just see a comment there that catches your eye. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> And then at one point, that guy was top of the list, though. You know what I mean? Like, if you do drop to number 73, at one point, he was top, so... Oh, it depends on it, because I filter shit by the the one that puts the, the first comment first. So I always go through Facebook posts chronologically. So yeah. Okay, 73 yeah. 73 is always going to be 73 on my list. But it, yeah. there's, there's a couple... Anyway, that's just my Facebook preferences. I also use it on a computer, everyone. I don't really like mobile Facebook. I'm just going to... I'm the same. It's all through a computer. I check it all through a computer. Big respects. Is it going real slow for you lately? Like, they're deliberately making everything feel slow? Like, on computer? Yeah, I find, like, my notifications load slow. Like, everything is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Slow. You click in the, and then it's just a white screen yeah i get you're that like, like, this doesn't yeah. make no sense right like yeah you're fucking fit and you're like oh you want me to go on the phone you're trying <laughs> to tell me to go on my phone no <laughs> fuck you facebook the only um, thing i use the phone for is messenger on that part because i send i don't type a lot i send voice messages to a lot of people and that's how um, i think i got really close with a lot of people i got into the album and stuff because i'm actually talking to them i'm not just typing a, a sentence i'm putting my voice and i'm talking to them man i can't I, so it's like I feel you on every level, but yo, have you woken up and seen seven minutes of voice messages? I've never got that much. Mine are usually like there's the one minute limit before you have to do the next. I've That's gotten maybe one or two minutes for that. I've never gotten like seven one minute voice messages in a row. I hate it more when I get like I wake up and it's like 14 missed texts and a guy it's like one word in every text. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm an awful texter. People can judge me all they want. I know how annoying I am with my single sentence rapid fire rate. But yo, the thing about this voice message thing is people can get that way. And it's not one. I've had like multiple people and it's like message. And I'm like, man, you can't get me to listen to your song. Now I have to listen to this shit, which is twice as long as this song. Yeah, I, I could have listened. <laughs> your people are courteous. <laughs> yeah, I've never had that. I've never. I've woken up maybe to like one and a half minutes max. I've never. And most of the people I talk to as well, if they have some really they want to really say, they'll just call me through Messenger. They won't send the voice messages, so I'll just hit them up through that way. Mm -hmm. So you're like really into this like virtual world. Like the virtual world isn't a scary thing for you. No. Now that I, I guess you can say I figured out how to work it. When I first dove in, it was a scary aspect and even putting myself, my voice onto the podcast and stuff. Like, I didn't like the sound of my voice talking. I, I didn't like the, even when I first brought it out rapping, uh, doing this right now with video. I, like, I have my certain other video show I do called The Update. Uh, that was a huge step for me. I don't, like, you, I'm, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> no one's comfortable at first. Okay, yeah. some people are comfortable at first. <clears throat> Those people are people that were probably doing it at like five. I hated transitioning to video. I did 10 episodes without video, and I felt awful like the first three years looking at myself. I don't like watching my old videos. I, don't, I, I, I haven't actually consumed any of my old content like that. I can watch the recent stuff because I fucks with it, and I think I look amazing. But like the old shit, I just can't watch it. 
It's just like it's like the past and shit. Like I know it exists and I know other people watch it, but I don't really feel like I don't like it at all. It's uncomfortable to think about. So like I relate heavy to what you're saying. I mean I know I look poised and calm. It is like year five, right? Like so I've, I've had a lot of practice, and I do a lot of interviews. So like it's yeah, it's just a game practice. If you saw my November ones, they do not look like this. <laughs> you got you got like it's almost like you got the best version of me in an interview you could possibly get, and then the next person gets the next best version of me is how I look at it. And maybe I miss sometimes. I'm not perfect. But, like, it's, like, this gradual path forward. So over time, it's comfort. And considering how much you built so quickly, it's like, yo, how the fuck are you doing it? But you built a squad and shit. And I'm like, oh, he did the squad thing. I'm still working on the squad part. That's the part where I'm, like, scrambling because I got really good at working hard. Hyper-focused, disciplined, and the fucking I, all the shit you're supposed to do by yourself. But then I forgot about the part where I'm supposed to play nice with others and all that shit, which is what I've been like really yeah. working on. I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta make sure I remember to let people talk in like regular conversations and shit. You know, like yeah. And the way I always looked at mine was that I I already kind of built the fan base first, so people wanted to see the podcast. Uh, people wanted to see the other shows I was doing. I had that established fan base. So that was a, like a nice step. Like people, I was nervous to go on camera, but they didn't care. They just wanted to watch the show. And I always describe as my show, a show made by artists for artists. So uh, mm. if that tunes into mine, our artists. It, it's, you get the odd, like I do have certain fans that aren't artists themselves, uh, but it, a lot of it is shows made for us like our community uh, that's what i uh, our shows made for made by artists for artists is what i always kind of advertise it as yo i love it i really <laughs> do we are totally not the same with that that is not my intention here i'm making this shit to get fans for artists like it's yeah. a, bit of a pivot shift but that's, that's why a, we, yeah. we a good thing conundrum are fucking great because we do different things but collaboratively create the bigger ecosystem and it's fucking wonderful um, but yeah, that's another part of it too, is just that like your networking potential, man, you could basically create the plenty of fish of like fucking networking that's worth being a part of. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make it change the way it is because I went through those groups and I'm sure every other artist has. And it's just, I, I won't say they're bullshit because those people came from those groups. So I won't say they're bullshit, but uh, if you're planning to just leave a link and leave, the odds of somebody checking out that link are all little, very little. You're lucky to get one. And even if you get the one, they're going to tell you, yo, can you sub the mine back? That's what you're going to get in it. So uh, you get the odd ones, but it can take a week of posting and trying to find people for them to even hit you. But like, I even do posts of people. Would you want a chance of free radio play and are down for true networking? Whoever's up for this, please DM me. Don't post a link. And in the comments is 15 links. Like the people just don't don't read it and don't get it. Like it just well, they're uh, just doing a different game. They have different yeah. goals. Their ways to the spam links could galore, and hopefully somebody will listen. Because they do. They, yeah. There is effectiveness. To, okay, look, I'm not saying that that is an effective strategy to build success. Yeah. But if all you care about is views. <clears throat> I promise you can spam your way into views. And you'll I get, promise. yeah, you will. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yo, my first song I put out is in 2012. I put it on YouTube 
and I hit up literally every human I knew on earth and I got 500 views in like a day or five and I almost never replicated that again. <sighs> never. But how well, much time said, did you spend that day just dropping your LinkedIn? Yeah. You spent the whole I day. I was at work and <laughs> I was on Facebook on call center land. So firstly, I was already getting paid at this time. So it wasn't a complete waste. But dude, I love the dopamine hit. Dude, it's so good. Dude, that's you? Wow, that's... Dude, I was just getting that all day. It was like fucking porn for me. It was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, give me that praise. Like, I've never really done anything where, like, so many people, like, fucking cared. The second time I tried, it went from, like, this level of success to, like... And yeah. then by, like, a year... Yo, sometimes, man, I, I talk to people or I hit the message button and I see this spam shit... I sent in 2013 or whatever and it's like yo i have to hit this person up now we both know we're both gonna scroll up and read the fact that i spammed this motherfucker six years ago and that's the yeah. only thing i ever said to them yo can you check out my new song yeah <laughs> embarrassing but uh no nah, i don't do that so and it's uh it's i'm trying different stuff i'm trying to give that's yeah, big, that's what you do. On organic views, yeah, or like I want, I want you to be a fan. I don't, I honestly don't care what my view hits. I'm not the guy who checks Spotify for artists every single day or my YouTube views. I, I, I'll check them in every once in a while, but I'm, I don't care. And in fact, there was one point where I had a video I posted on YouTube, and this did never happened. And I knew by my watch time, it went from zero to like two thousand in a night so somebody paid for the views and it wasn't me so I, I even did a post in my group like i don't know why people would pay like i didn't get these myself i know i didn't it's not possible and i almost like debated on removing that video because i i didn't that wasn't real to me that's that's Are you sure it's not real. like an algorithmic boost no because all the watch time was like 30 seconds on a like a 20 so, minute uh, video. No, I'll, I'll give you a, i'll give you an example of what happened to me i put up my buster rhymes extinction level event to review Okay. And uh, I put it up the same day, and it's like a two-hour video. Now, part of how Google ranks is if it's longer, it's better. That is part of why my content was always as long as it was. It's, I always ranked high on search because of that. So it just so happened that Google got confused. And when you typed in that fucking album name in oh, front-page Google, I was third video. I got 8,000 fucking views in like a day. My watch time is a minute. It was all organic <laughs> on the algorithm being the algorithm. So maybe that's what did happen. I didn't know that. So that might yeah, have you been can, you can, my video. We can check it in your data after if you want. It's actually yeah, really cool. so yeah, I never do that, man. That's cool. So that's but part that's of good. the YouTube. So that's how you grow on YouTube a little bit. So YouTube is an algorithm growth game. So you like keyword up. So that's why my shit's going to be called interview with King Canada. I want to own your fucking keyword a little bit. I want people to type in King Canada and, and then see yeah. my video in the middle of your shit, right? I do that I with it. my podcast, you know, interview with the Godson or interview with the Kronos or, you know, yeah, exactly. But I didn't want to compete on bring the bars, so I put for bringing bars, right? A little bit. Oh, you could have put bringing bars, man. I want more people to find you out too because I want you to hit up more people. Oh, no, no. I think that just, it's, it's totally good, man. It's not even yeah. you. We we both on this grind. We both good for life, my guy. We both okay <laughs> on the same kind of net. We both playing a very similar game in different manifestations. 
So, um, and I really like, I just, that, that's it, right? That's the keyword. But on Twitch, as an example, which is where I'm going with this, it's so different. The algorithm is useless. It doesn't mean shit. It's completely like an outreach game. So what my strategy is, again, interview with King Canada. A few of your people pop in, shout out Siren, Suriez, uh, whatever. Thank you. I said that wrong. I'm pretty fine. I'm so sorry. Because uh, they, they followed and that's dope so a new person jumped on it they thought it was dope they like the platform whatever whatever if you're yo you can maybe we can work something out you can offer my into your people my interviews maybe we can do something <clears throat> i have a few good guys like you i think you'd be having a good time interviewing that's fresh we, we'll talk about that for real reals but i want to put that into the universe because like yo i would love to help support you like that if we can but yo twitch my guy how do we get you on twitch I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, didn't know nothing about the Twitch format. I've only learned, literally, I built a Twitch account from uh, a Willie, kicking mm. it live with from him building, uh, <clears throat> airing my album on a show or one of my songs beforehand. And he aired my album too, and I keep in touch with him. A fantastic guy, by the way. Yeah, um, that's cool. how I got on to Twitch. And then I found out about your show through Twitch, and then I got onto that, and then I know other guys like siren Sirezi, he has a twitch account he does the video game streaming on his end but uh i don't i know nothing about the platform of twitch at all except for watching people i don't know how to get on it. i don't know how to do anything it's but, mad yeah. simple logistically speaking <clears throat> it is so fucking easy that you would be like okay this is easy peasy you're gonna be out. yeah uh conceptually it's <clears throat> radio yeah the reason mine doesn't have videos because mine is made for radio. Like, there's no video. No, I'm saying the radio. Conceptually, how you think about Twitch is you, Mister uh, Mister King Canada. It's fucking radio. I'm we're doing a radio show live to a lot yeah. of people with Which fucking webcams on. Yeah, and yeah, so that's true. Yeah. So how you think about a Twitch show just to save yourself some time is raw, dirty, unedited, and fucking whatever. But in the back of your mind, something you can clip and use somewhere else. So, like, we can take this in those dirty moments, your feet, whatever. No offense. We're going to clip that out. Chris, cut it. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Um, and it's because, whatever, that's for the Twitch. That's for the behind the scenes. That's why people come to the live. And Twitch creates yeah. and fosters its own environment. Like, those emotes, my guy? Yeah. Fun as fuck. And then YouTube is, like, the hub. That's where you put the content after and you play some algorithm games. And, yo, shout out Chris. Chris shows up as they fucking shout him out. <clears throat> um so like as you're like fucking uh you know you chop it up you make some clippy poos on a second channel for clips and it's a content hub and that's some algorithm shit and then social media promotes all that so you already got parts of this puzzle unlocked my guy you probably honestly have the potential to be the guy to hit partner that we all piggyback off of just on what you've done if you set this up right yeah, what I've, I was planning to already do a brand, like I've been wanting to do Twitch and I actually was going to talk to you about it, which is funny you're bringing all this up. Uh, I wanted to talk to you on a personal level on it, like after, like after the show, but uh, we can do that for sure. Gonna be, uh, it wasn't going to be part of the radio. I wanted to do another show called the BTB Hangout, which has been an idea that I brought up with the group. And it's literally kind of like what we're doing now, but an uncensored, because when I'm on radio, it's censored. Uh, you can't oh. cut. You can't do this and that for the radio. There's guidelines, uh, F, uh, whatever the hell they're called. I don't even remember what they're called. The people who censor stuff, but there's uh, there's them on there. FCC. FCC, yeah. Because the so. FCC won't let me be <laughs> <or> that <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Our family guy fucked the FCC or whatever it was. But 
so I wanted like an uncensored because like I you know I I curse and I smoke weed and I drink so I wanted that like the hangout to be somebody mm-hmm. can smoke a joint with me so while we're straight up. Shit. That is why I told everybody I don't want to fucking do radio. People have been trying to push me to like radio, and I'm like, yo, like I could do radio. Don't get me wrong, I could do yeah, radio. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. I, but like I do webinars at day job lad, so that's like radio only corporate demonstrations. So it's like, hi everyone, and welcome to insert stuff. Today we're gonna talk about how to use our product, and it's so fucking clean, and it's so fucking pristine. <clears throat> And I have to watch all my P's and Q's to a level of effort and stuff that it doesn't like, like it takes the fun factor down a couple of notches for me on yeah. personal front. The way I do with mine is uh, mine's not live on the radio. It's recorded before. Mm. And so if somebody does flip up, I edit out, edit out the cuss words. I can't stop them from swearing. Some people just literally say fuck every second word they say. Like it's just how it is. So I, I edit it out. I clip it out. But what I find is so funny is the lyric, the music I play, because I play the tracks of the guests while uh, when I edit the show together for the radio. That can be dirty. They can be explicit lyrics, but they don't want swearing in the interview, which I find uh, so contradictory and I don't get it, but it's just their mm, rules. That's a super fight. fascinating point. I think yeah. it's because the music is more of like the product and whatever, right? It is what it mm. is. And like at this point in time, it sounds fucking goofy to make edited versions. Like nobody does it. So there's no fucking point. When you get to the interview, it gets into a more like personal person kind of influential type shit, right? And there's mm. a lot of sensitive folk who listen to radio. The, the downside of the traffic that you get <clears throat> is everybody's listening to radio. So you have to kind of pander a little bit to the lowest common denominator. And I think what they're doing is that in general, it's totally okay. And really, you could get away with saying fuck. But like, as I had an example recently, sometimes people take shit way too far on a live environment. Like there are certain words you can't use. And if you were to use it, I'd block you right now, especially the LGBTQT plus stuff. Like you cannot say that on Twitch. It's like a big deal. So if people choose to not to use this language, certain people might get offended. Like there's a little three dot thing. You can just click on that little report thing, right? So I think when you're in a live environment, like in a conversational format, if you kind of give an inch, people may take a mile and they're going to just opt to the side of safety because it's like unscripted. Whereas you vetted the song, you're not going to go play the song that goes too far. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That would yeah. be my best guess if I were to be like the program director writing the rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really understood it. But yeah, that's a good point on your end for the rules on that part for sure. Uh, but yeah, just, like I said, I wanted to branch off into Twitch just to be more myself and myself with the people. Because like I said, you know, uh, I want to crack Like a lot of this time when I do mine, compared to yours, you talked a lot about my life and yeah, uh, my journey. You're really good at that. Mine is about the artist. It's about uh, like what influence to like music, like about their music. I will quote their music. It's broken into segments too, because it's a radio. We have like broken into segments. Um, I want to do more of a show of getting to know the person behind the artist, kind of like what you're doing. So that's why I would like to go the Twitch route. But I, after like, I want to definitely shoot the shit with you uh, one day about kind of getting started on Twitch. My God, sure. legit. Half the time I do interviews, we, we, we don't, Depending on who it is, you don't always jump off the call. It's just the follow-up parts to the call, depending on it. Like, come on, my guy, we're in the, we're in the same province. We have the same logo and the same restrictions. <laughs> <clears throat> Actually, can we just like tangent on that shit? Cause you like right next to Ottawa. What yeah. is it like seeing like 
literally across a river a whole set of rules that's mad different than your set of rules we're on lockdown again completely i don't know where you guys are at uh, yeah, montreal has not left shit since september okay we've been in the worst of the worst since september and the actual curfew since fucking december we got yeah we're at 8 p.m curfew here um uh ottawa's hitting it now but theirs is totally different it's, it's unbelievable and then you look uh like I said, I'm a sports fan. It's so crazy how I watch a certain sport and they have fans. And I'm just like, holy shit, I can't even go out to the freaking mall at 8 o'clock at night. And you guys have a sold-out arena of 20,000 people in your fucking area. Like, it's unbelievable. And uh, here, we just hit it again. We were off lock. So we had curfew for quite a while now, but it was 9.30. We just hit back to 8 p.m. now. Um, yeah, it just hit back. My, my nephew who lives with us, we adopted my nephew. Uh, he, uh, he's in high school and their school shut down again for 10 days. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I was just like, cause man, I saw somebody got booked for somebody from here, got booked for a show in, in Ontario. And I'm like, hold up. They're moving curfew to eight and you're booked for a show in Ontario. Yeah. Hold the front door. What is up with this? And the next man's like flexing a flyer at me who is unrelated to it. And I'm like, y'all booking shows like what i don't know i'm in like a weird place with it because it's like i'm still in my apartment and i've been following the rules as best as i possibly can i may have violated a one to hang out with a person but literally people don't come here it's me her and the cats it's me her and the cats and i don't even really go outside much because yo we're supposed to play our part and do the thing so it's like yeah i'm the same boat man i don't uh i don't really see anybody uh like at all like you said maybe the one or two one or two people but that was like even when the rules were lifted a little bit and that would be like my mom or something you know what i mean but it's just been us here me and me and my girl and the two kids and the dog and the cat and that's what it is but it's funny how he can go to school with a class of 30 kids but i can't go out and see two of my friends like i find that absolutely ridiculous or that but, week in March break when everyone, all the kids were allowed to do things and adults were not allowed to do things. And you're like, hey, yeah, what? yeah, it's so contradictory. And I don't think anybody knows what's going on. The rules change day by day. I, half the time I'm like, do we have curfew now? Do we not have curfew? I'm just assuming we um, do. I don't even know. For real though, my shit in um, Montreal, it's, it's a definitive answer. No, you're still on lockdown, my guy. And yeah. it's not going to change. We have... A lot of people here and <laughs> it just hasn't changed since September. yeah you guys are like a tourist city here like we hit the lockdown when it first started the 9 30 curfew started uh i don't know maybe a couple months ago and then it stayed at that then it went to an 8 p.m then back to 9 30 when we got out of the red zone and now we're back in the red zone again they closed the border between us and ottawa points and now the border between us and ottawa is open Ottawa from here is like a 15 minute drive, 20 minute drive. I worked in Ottawa when I did my whole construction. I worked in Ottawa while living here because it's just cheaper living here compared to Ottawa. Like, I don't know a word of French. Uh, you know, I'm just living in the Quebec side because it's cheaper. That's an amazing idea. I bet a lot of people are there for that exact reason. It is. Yeah. A lot, where I'm in is the town. Like, it's part of Gatineau, but it's a, like an outskirt town called Elmer of Gatineau. And. It's literally right across the bridge from Ottawa, and it's almost pure English because everybody works in Ottawa, so it's it's crazy. Man, that's like serious though. And oh well, Quebec will inevitably open, and we'll we'll, we'll deal with it as it comes. Yeah, eventually. 
um, fair enough. So basically, musically, I saw that you did this Unmasked project, which I listened to with more attention than your previous music that we've talked about that I didn't pay any attention to. So I wasn't able to really like comment on it. It was more like, okay, Glitch in the Matrix. And I only really listened to two tracks off the Global Domination one, really. Yeah. Unmasked is an interesting project where you got like a whole lot of different things happening on it. And it feels like a progressive thing. I feel like uh, I like the story arc kind of angle that you bring to it. The exploratory. I really like the last song. The name's blanking on me, but that one was a very standout. I like the completion feel that you bring to it. Um, it's a really good project. Thanks, tell man. Us, I appreciate that. So tell us a little bit about why it's unmasked and how that album came to be. Because at this point, Bridge the Gap... Uh, sorry, Bridge the Gap's my shit. <laughs> bring the bars. Uh, yeah. Is it is a thing? Um, yeah, so it started with uh, the global domination. That didn't show a lot of me. Uh, it showed a lot that I can rhyme with different people, hop on different styles. So what I wanted to do was once I established that fan base from global domination was make an album that showcased more of me, uh, my life, my struggles, my story. So that's how Unmasked came about in the title of it. Like I'm taking off, like I'm the guy behind social media. A lot of people didn't see me. That was just the guy behind the keyboard. And now I'm taking off the mask and I'm going to really show everybody uh, who I am, why I do this, and just showcase more of my personal life than I ever have before. And that was a very uncomfortable but very uh, lethargic step to take that I'm very happy that I took that step because I mentioned a lot of stuff that uh, I don't even tell some of my friends or my closest friends about my sons and my girl and uh, my family that I don't... The autism one on the Real Talk. Holy shit, Real Talk? I don't remember if that was on a master of the EP, but Real that Talk was, was... Yeah. I had to give it to you. That was some Real Talk. Yeah, that one was very personal. <laughs> uh, that was on Behind the Mask. So I did Unmask, and for people who bought it on Bandcamp, got the Behind the Mask EP for free. So I gave them incentive to not just stream it. People who stream that's not on any platform. Like you had to buy the album to get behind the mask. So that but then I Bandcamp afterwards. Like now it's on Bandcamp. But, but when Unmasked first came out, behind the mask wasn't anywhere except for the people who bought the album. So uh, that was a very personal song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what I thought was interesting, and somebody in the, the chat actually brought up something that made me trigger this thought. But uh, a certain psychopathic artist did a very similar thing recently when they dropped a certain album and then had a rat named DP that came along with it that if you stole like me on day one to do your review, it was cool. But otherwise, you could only get if you cop the shit, whatever, whatever. And then months later, they leaked it and put it, well, they, didn't leak it. they put it out everywhere after the fact, two, three months later. So, like, it's kind of like that strategy. So that's mad nifty that you kind of went in that route. And then you were able to yeah. drop it. A month later which feeds the machine which is fucking modern as fuck and then it yeah. makes you look hot yeah and i actually started that with global domination i had two bonus tracks so if you bought the album the only way you can get these two bonus tracks was if you bought the album and one was with stevie stone another one was with another bring the bars artist so with unmasked i was like i'll take it a step further because i'm uh behind the mask is the mixture of songs i wrote even uh, when you went through it, I don't know if you, you would remember the titles, but there's a couple of songs in there I wrote like six years ago. That mm -hmm. one, remember when I said I wasn't recording anymore, but I was still writing? Those were a couple of those songs. So it was a mixture of kind of like unreleased, uh, remixed, or new music. It was kind of a branch off of all of it. So that's how the 
behind the mask EP came about and I had enough. I think it was six tracks. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it was six. No, it's six. I had to <laughs> so, it up because I had yeah. it like, anyway. Um, not so bad, bless. Do you, but because you know what's interesting about your strategy <clears throat> is that you built up this fan base first. You put in artist work, you collected the people, then your band camp became a lucrative thing. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, when I put Glitch in the Matrix, I didn't have that fan base. Uh, so I put it on Bandcamp, but like it didn't really go anywhere compared to when I put Global Domination and Unmasked. So that went somewhere. And then uh, it actually only has been recently that I got onto Spotify. Like I didn't even go that route for a while either. Like I'm still learning. Like a lot of this has been in the last two years, big time the last year during the pandemic is what pushed all this because I finally had time to put 100% effort into all this. So uh, the pandemic in a way was, not not wanting to downplay it for everybody who went through the problems, but for me, a blessing in a way to put my time into this uh, that I've never had before to put in 100%. I like that. Um, I definitely leveraged some time again on the pandemic to push it forward myself. Um, Spotify is cool. I'm glad you're there because uh, yeah, if too. you're not on Spotify, it's like I'm not going to listen to it. I know it's yeah. like a callous way to put it to a lot of people, but it's like... I spent fifteen dollars because we got that shared plan to shits, which is a dope way to get two of you to double up on your making your money back. Um and uh it's just dope. Like it's the best interface, it's the easiest shit for me to listen to music. So awesome, on. yeah. And DistroKid is too fucking cheap for me to be like I'm like, come on my guys, Distro like if you own your fucking licensing and you can release that shit yeah. to me, it's like I mean, and even if you didn't want to go through DistroKid, there's some that will do it for free and even take a little percentage. So if you want to even go that route, but I use DistroKid myself, and uh, and uh, it's funny because I pushed so hard for many years of my YouTube channel, you know, get it to the thousand subscribers and a certain amount of views to monetize the YouTube channel. Because I, I like you, like I said, I'm still learning. This is all been money's trash, my guy. Learned to, and now I do freaking. Spotify and I made more than I ever did on my two years of pushing my YouTube channel in the span of under a year. Yo, for real though, with the YouTube thing, if I were to run up all the ad money I made on every song I put on <clears> YouTube <throat> and compare it to what I made on Spotify, Spotify crushes YouTube. Twitch yeah, crushes YouTube. Yeah. Twitch, oh my gosh. I don't know why, but this man's the other day popped in <clears throat> and donated like fucking $40 and I don't know why I didn't do anything I just went live and he did that and I'm like that's the most weird thing ever to me that's not gonna that's happen dope. on YouTube um, but like I got that 8,000 views right that shit was monetized so it gave me like a taste of what like real view to money conversion is and my like fucking rate is good as in I'm on the high end of what you get paid on YouTube according to what I've seen on the internet um, it was $25 for eight thousand views and i'm like what <laughs> you know like when you really think about it yeah eight thousand views is 25 dollars. that's it that's it yeah and i spent so much time pushing that but i'm still happy i did because it built that initial no, fan YouTube's base doing. I go, go to spotify and now i'm promoting like i kind of not ditch my youtube channel but uh I don't post out as much as much as I used to. I'm I have my King Canada YouTube channel, but I'm more promoting the Bring the Bars channel over anything on YouTube than I am with my That's... music. I push it on Spotify. Oh, let me be clear. I don't even know what the last time I touched my U music channel on YouTube. Yeah, that's yeah. just ghost town. But 
uh, I do make like 20 to 30 bucks a month on fucking YouTube. So yeah. like every five months I get a little payout and I'm telling you when that happens, I'm like, yes. Well, so it's like, <laughs> it is like an endeavor worth pursuing, but like people need to manage their expectations on this money. Shit. Yeah. Like you well, will make platform. Most people use, not everybody has Spotify or uses Spotify still to this day. So I'd show them towards my YouTube channel. So, it's uh it's definitely still a platform a majority a lot of people use yeah but like if you look at the music side of things from music, music videos, yeah. like you got a point but like people watch a music video what like twice they yeah bump your song um i mean sure in certain age demographics like with really younger people it might be a completely a completely different experience and yes there are some countries that don't have spotify but they are in 170 countries so like it's not like, like let's be real most markets that you were ever going to tap into have spotify most markets and then if they don't you're probably on deezer and all the other shit that exists in those things i looked up how to get into the indian market is more complicated than you think and i don't know how much i want to <laughs> touch a chinese market but like uh the reality is like being a band camp makes sense but youtube is more of like uh like it's a good place to host your music and for sure you should have it there but well, get on as many platforms as you can <clears throat> you take advantage of every platform is the way i look at it like, so like i don't go listen to apple music but i'm on it and i'm getting stuff from apple music i got promotions on apple music uh, you know, the one I use, like, I don't use Tidal, but I'm on there. People I've gotten streams through Tidal. I know they pay more mm. and stuff. I just know more about Spotify right. that I push Yo, but that. Even let's talk on that pay more on Tidal. That is one of the biggest misconception craps I ever heard in my damn life. So Tidal has the like a pop. But both of these things have a market share of like this. Literally, we're talking like 2%, 1% market share, meaning total population of users who pay and subscribe to this platform thus turn into monetized views for you. Yeah. It's like astronomically small. So when you're on this platform, what? You maybe get the one guy who's going to repeat your shit. Like, at, yeah. like you're competing against fucking celebrities and shit, just like yeah. everywhere else. But if you go to a volume game, 80% of the market has Apple Music or Spotify. Yeah. 80% of the market. That is like a fuck ton of people. You can almost safely bet that everybody you know has like one of those two things if they're paying for a service or using a service. That's like a safe bet. Maybe it's something different. You could argue there are a few other contenders, but that means that if you're on one of those platforms, both of them, because you couldn't be on both, then you're also on fucking Amazon at the same time because you're being yeah. distributed there. You're on all this stuff, which means whatever you're on, the smart voice things that everybody's using can play you. And that's another thing people don't necessarily take into consideration is that the future, I haven't even talked about this ever on this show, is the future is voice, right? As in you go, okay, keyword, I don't want to trigger my phone. And then you give a little commandy poo or you go Siri or you say yeah. this thing. If you're not in that, thing they can't even play you with voice command because like frankly the number of people who plugged youtube premium is astronomically tiny right so in a sense you're almost shooting yourself in the foot for the future to not be where everybody's going to be however from a monetization point of view if you pay for spotify and you happen to be a premium user you know you can just run your own fucking song when you sleep and pay for spotify 
as in yeah. you can make $15 a month spinning your own damn song. I've been spinning my own damn song this whole interview. Just on loop, man. It's just playing. <laughs> and yo, straight up, there are three of us all day been at it. A couple more people popped in and out. We dropped this song today and we ran it to 879. And what? Is it real? Fake? It's real. I'm going to get paid $3 soon off of that shit. That's yeah. what I mean. That's why Spotify stream teams too, man. If you got 24 hour stream teams, like you got like that's, diamond that's what I'm one. Trying. I'm running right one right now while I'm talking to you, and it's 24 hours. They're streaming my stuff, and I'm getting like like so many in just one day. Like it's you know, and like you said, you get paid for it. So it's, like I yeah. have my fans, and I know I have my stream team, but the stream team is kind of like my income, and I also use. If people don't know Spotify, if you go on computer there's no limitations on you don't you can skip as much as you want you can select songs if oh, you're the free? desktop person of spotify yeah like you for go free spotify.com and you use the desktop version you don't have to randomize and you have unlimited skips you can click songs you don't have to pay for premium yo for me i though, use it on computer all the time so the big metric that i think people care about is monthly listeners and the one that I'm struggling with in general is um, trying to convince all the rap. Big one. No, followers is whatever. That's algorithm games. But vanity metrics. Streams don't matter. Monthly listeners matter. Yo, having 50,000 fucking streams and like 42 monthly listeners feels fucking weird to me. Yeah. Like, you were hot. That's what I learned. You're yeah. not hot. So, to me, the way to really manage the stream team, if I could do what I want... Yo, we'd have the most implausibly large and nobody gives a fuck about it playlist except the people on it. And everybody has the obligation of running that playlist in full once a month. And there's yeah. a thousand people on that motherfucker. A thousand names. This is my dream. Everybody gets a thousand monthly listeners off that motherfucker. A thousand streams. And if you have... But the streams don't matter because the streams are fickle and pointless. And like I said, they're vanity. But the monthly listeners means that looks like a thousand people fuck with you right now. And I promise you that could lead to sponsorship monies and shit on some fake shit. It could. But Spotify also remember, uh, what was it, a year ago? They cracked down on a lot of that. If you're getting 50,000 streams and have 50 followers, they get a little sketchy on that and they shut down your account. Okay, they shut so down all thousand of us follow account. each other. Fine. Yeah, now you need can... yeah you need followers because they yeah, did but, that with their algorithm. So, they shut a lot of people down last year. That was from people buying the views, though. That that's a compl- that's a terms of service violation, though. 25, 20 followers. It's like, hey, but, something's not adding up. So what I'm proposing is hey, not a terms of service violation, though, because that was that's rigging. It's a stream shit. team. Yeah, it's a stream team. You all but do it's it a, together. It's a, it's a larger scale one, and you'll never get the view counts to trigger the shit because it's logistically impossible. Like each yeah. individual song is going to get one from each person, whatever. One, it's not yeah. a lot of actual views. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah, you. But need what those. happens is, is when you hit like 750 monthly followers, you as an artist start flexing that shit, and now other organic people are going to be more attracted to it because yo, what's this buzz coming on? You put up that chart where you show your monthly followers hyping up, and be like yo, now nah, I got to go click on it. And if we all it's true larger scale did it because yo it's not going to work with 50 but you all of a sudden have a thousand two hundred and thirty seven monthly followers you look like you're a whole tier maybe above what you're at why does this matter one time i sent my shit to a person this is a regular civilian and she said only have a hundred views i'm like yo first of all but then i realized that's actually an interesting point maybe regular people care about that they do man they'll only start fucking with you once uh 
sad to say once you're famous like once you're blowing up and then then they'll be the ones who claim they followed you from the start which is absolute bullshit but uh, they give me money my guy i don't fucking care claim what you want that's the way I look at it, but yeah, for sure. And like stream teams are good because I've been a couple and they st- you have to stream every day though. And you stream uh, the playlist once a day and there's let's say 30 people. It's not much, but that's 30 listeners, 30 people a day that stream. So 30, 30, like you get it a day for a month. That's another 30 days. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not but <laughs> that's a good chunk. And then uh, you get paid for that. And a lot of these people that I found, I've gotten followers and they actually listen to the playlist and I had people reach out like, do you want to collaborate? I listened to the playlist. I saw your song. So uh, the, uh, for me, uh, there, it's a way to go getting on stream team playlists. That's why I love Spotify over YouTube. You have to hit like individuals out on like YouTube. Like, can you check it out? Can you check it out? Spotify, you get it on a hip hop playlist and then boom, everything like changes on that one song in the span of freaking minutes. Hmm. That's an interesting point too. Um, I don't know. I have like an elaborate scheme in my head, but it would be very hard to. My problem is enforcement because you'd never be able to prove shit. Like who didn't listen? It's true, yeah. And then it's like at the scope I want to do. You know, not everybody's gonna listen, and it's like, eh. but like, I just think it's cool how you leverage that, how you're willing to do that, because that's not like violation. It's like clever guerrilla marketing. They're they're, they're yeah. not the same thing. Yeah, like, it's what it is. Like, yo, you know what's... Have you ever looked at the Compare Artist tool in Spotify? No, I don't I don't think so. So they gave access. I don't even know how long it's been there, but they have this thing that lets you compare artists. So um, there's a couple of people that I know I paid for Facebook ads recently. So out of curiosity, I loaded up their profiles and I looked at their monthly, their daily listeners because you can look at everything. Streams, listeners, follows. And so... I looked at the numbers and I'm like, yo, this looks like you spent a lot of money and got nothing. Because <clears throat> you see this little peak and then it just mm-hmm. flat lines. Yeah. F- flat lines. Like back to the one, two I get a day. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's nifty. Like, is it, what does it mean? Does it mean it's worth it? Maybe, maybe it's like hot on Apple Music and I don't see the Apple Music comparison. Fine. But you would argue that if it was hot there, it would be hot in both, you know? Like, it's not like you're going to pop on one and be completely boring on the other. That's not how usually this shit works. I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't even have, like, like I have my Apple profile set up, like Apple for Artists, kind of like with Spotify, but I never look at it because I just don't use Apple. And I, honestly, I don't yeah. even share my Apple links. I just share the Spotify. So I expect to get more on Spotify than I do well, on Apple. Like- just because of what I'm showing everybody. Like, it's just the ones they see, they click on it. And it's so easy on Facebook. You click the link, you're there. Instead of going in on Apple, typing King Canada, you know what I mean? But I guess I looked at it from a perspective of, say you legitimately were pulling, like, 30,000 fucking views a month or whatever. You would yeah. have on both platforms. Yeah, yeah, you would, yeah. Because that's your fan base right there. So, uh, you know. There's no way that everybody's just using fucking Spotify, like, Apple, yeah. Apple's done a lot lately to, to gain some ground, as, as they call it. Um, what do you think about virtual reality and how it fits into the big picture? What do you mean? Like, what do you, what do you define as virtual reality? Like a fucking Oculus headset, you busting rhymes. Uh, I've, I've never dove into that or thought about it, honestly. My nephew had a VR headset for the PlayStation 4. I never used it. It made me queasy. I'm not a... <laughs> I don't know. I never really thought of that, to be honest with you. I couldn't answer that question. 
<laughs> That's a very legitimate answer. I like that a lot. Yeah, I um, don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what impact that has on music or like what you can do with the VR. I don't know. Basically, you can do what we're doing now with avatars in a different way. Uh, it'd be a medium I'd be willing to get on, but uh, I wouldn't myself personally put on a VR headset to think of music or artist or a podcast. That's not how not I would think either. of playing a game, right? Like I wouldn't think of it as that. I could see it grow, growing to that medium it's 100%. Right. So like they, these dudes threw a hip hop show in virtual reality. Raskas was like the main guy that did it. Um, so I, I met the dude who like hosted the show. I have to actually pop into VR one day and check it out. I keep forgetting. But there's this thing called Allspace VR. It's created by Microsoft. It's a bunch of spaces. It's been literally growing the last year. Their big claim to fame is more uh, stand-up comedy, which is easy, and DJ shit. So clubbing in VR is... Is it good? No. Is it better than your room? Hells yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, this is something you're opening my eyes to. Like I said, I never dove into it or learned about it. So... Uh... If I can put on the headset and see a concert, would I do it? Absolutely, yeah. But it wasn't something I would have thought of to do, no, until you told me about it now. But oh, Coachella! Now, I, now I'd want to actually kind of see it. Now I'm interested. Coachella and all that shit. Like my mom, I got her the shitty one, and she watches Habs games, or she tried to, but her thing would die. But like, she, you get like a seat. Like you're at the Bell Center and it's near yeah. one of the nets, and then you're kind of like there, and everyone is watching on a 360 yeah. camera. So I did they, that with a wrestling show, like when the VR first came out. My nephew hooked up a wrestling show to it. I put it on like that. That, that was pretty cool, actually. But I just, uh, I don't know. I'm not an old head or anything. I just never really mm-hmm. explored it's that really, medium. It's really like new shit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just like kind of nerdy like that. So I get real deep into this tech shit. Um, I, I think it's the future. And I, I don't think it's fully. I think there's a hybrid model of like Twitch meets real life meets virtual reality meets augmented reality that blends into this fucking crazy Star Trek shit. Yeah. Um, but um, so what's coming next for you with regards to your music? Like I know you dropped the thing in March, which is cool because you're keeping this alive. Are you dropping stuff in April? Uh, right now I'm doing a collaboration EP with Otis Isaac. Uh, we're doing an EP called Faded Bars. So that's going to be coming out, uh, probably next month. We have a few singles dropped to lower my head. We dropped that. Um, we had another single. I don't even remember what the other single we dropped. Oh, applause and a featured Kronos. So that's coming. That's a collaboration EP. And at that point, I also started BTB Records. Uh, so it's me, Otis, Siren, Cyrezy, and Kofa811 are the artists on it. And they're all signed to me. We have contracts written up and stuff. Uh, I'm focusing on their debut album releases more than mine, but Global Domination 2 is in the works, and the uh, Faded Bars collaboration EP with Otis Isaacs is coming real soon. So effectively what we've learned is you went from an eight-year-old playing keyboard rock songs to a record label owner, internet mogul, tycoon, media man, rapping guy. Apparently, and man. <laughs> a family man. And, yeah, that's definitely what defines my life, for sure, is the family. But uh, I, when you put it like that, man, and people ask me about my story, how even Bring the Bar started, it's like, it's crazy 
how it started as global domination, a collaboration album to this group on Facebook, to a podcast, to a radio show, to a label. Like it's just evolved unbelievably and uh, uh, it keeps evolving every day. Like I'm doing cross promotions with another label, Lost Voice Music. I, Shout out to all them. And it's just, it's unbelievable. I can't believe it. Myself. 30? You're 29, 30. 30? Yeah. I'm 30. I'm, about to, I'm 31. I'm like, nah, I know his age. He's yeah. my brother's age within three months, apparently. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember what you said. I think you said 90 or something or whatever. So you gave me a cue about what grade you were in at what year. And I'm like, okay, I can't how these. Yeah. I'm saying like, like nine years old, listening to hip hop in 99. So yeah, yeah, 30, I'm 31 <laughs> in July. So yeah, that's fresh. Man. You, by the way, I don't even know how old you are. <laughs> I'm 33. Uh, okay. So, yeah, my brother was that. So it's like talking to my little brother in terms of age gap. I like you more than my little brother. He's a, he's a little shithead. But that's fine. We're cool, whatever. I don't know if you ever watch this. Um, nah, he's I'm cool. one of my family. <laughs> my, my my brother linked me with Chris Crowe, and that was probably one of the most advantageous things to happen in my life in a long time because that dude has been there for, like, like, you don't find people like him very often in life. Like, you just mm -hmm. don't. Like, those people that are just, like, are down to ride, even if they don't understand. Yeah. And the interview is coming out of me right now. I want to flip it on you a little bit. Is how did you and Willie link up? Oh. Um, all right. I'll tell you the truth on this one. I know Willie might be watching. So I'm sitting there in 2019 going, fuck everybody. Nobody fucking with my shit in my head because I'm a bit of a hater still. I'm on my transition to being more community oriented at that point, but still feeling myself and shit. And then I see Willie got somebody of note. It was one of the G unit guys and he hosted the shows and I saw Willie was hosting all these shows. So I sent Willie. He posted this shit that has Shysta God on it. And I think I had just interviewed Shysta God. So I sent Willie my shit. I'm like, I want to rap on your shit. And then Willie fucking ghosted me. Didn't even fucking talk to me back one time. Didn't say shit. I'm like, oh, that's how it is, my guy. And then I was so salty for a minute because Willie, and it's cool, man, because Willie's my boy now. So it's like, it happened like that. And then COVID kicks in. And then all of a sudden, there's this kicking it live with Willie show. And I see that coming on, and I'm already like fascinated by internet. I'm already doing my interview thing at this point, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, not successfully. It isn't working yet. I'm still in the motherfuckers don't want to show up yet part because COVID was a gift in my opinion. Not like I want to say it like that, but like it worked I, out I really exactly well for like yeah. people being willing to jump on Zoom calls and shit. Like that was yeah. helpful. But I see Willie's doing Kicking It Live, and at the, he says something, something about sending your new music. And I put out uh, my track behind that suit, which was the first song off of my um, album, the Alabama Quebec Connect, which uh, came out last year. And uh, for me, it was a big deal. I was like trying out some shit. I tried to rap slower, more like paced, and what I think that's one of my best songs. Honestly, I fucking love it. But it was also my mission statement. Like I fucking even rapped about virtual reality and shot part of the music video. It was all shot in my room, using all the technology here, and it was almost like a behind the scenes of how I literally make shit. You know, like just me rapping in cameras, Instagram lives, all of that shit. OBS, you see all of it in the video if you're looking for it. Um, 
and including was a VR shot. And so I turned that into a little pitch to be like, yo, you care about VR? Check this music video. <laughs> Look at that part right before the chorus. I don't even give a fuck if you watched a song. But like, <laughs> it was true. I really don't care if people watched a song. It's just I needed a way to show people that fucking virtual reality was an interesting thing that could be like a viable thing for hip hop. And this technology existed and nobody wanted to fuck with me with it, whatever. I'm still a little like, I, I adapted. Parts of me still have salt. Um, but then like, uh, I put out the track and then I sent it to Willie. And because uh, he's doing his kicking it live, send me your shit. Crazy Ace is wrapped a million days in a row, all this other shit. And then he plays my song and he gives me some, the most interesting comment I think anybody has ever fucking said about anything I've done. I don't know if I like this, but I think hip hop needs some shit like this. I'm like, wow. That was big, right? Like people don't like really listen like that or see what I'm trying to do with my shit. And Willie seemed to see what I was trying to do with my shit, even though he snubbed me six months earlier. That's all fine, because in the future, Willie went and did that, and then whatever. I said in Willie's songs, Willie's audience does not like my fucking music. They do not react. They sit there, and they don't fucking comment. They weren't putting any react shit, and he played me anyway. The fucking night where he featured my album, like, nobody hearted it or anything. Nobody gave a fuck. Willie played it anyway. It's fucking G about it. I respected that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. Willie's audience doesn't have to fuck with me like that. <laughs> like other people fuck with me, you know, like it's cool. But Willie plays it anyway. And I like that. And I respect him so much for that. Uh, but then over time, it's like we he came and did the interview in July, June. So like Willie is one of the few people that can actually say some shit like, yo, I fucking went and did that shit before it was hot and I'll co-sign it. There's very few people that get that. Everyone else, you did it after it was hot, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And that's the, like the truth of it. You you saw I was doing it. Willie came through before that, so I respected that shit for a quick minute. Um, and then uh, we just talked more. And then he was like, "I'll send you some some things if you sign up on my tribe." And so I was like, "Fuck it, I'll support the guy." That week, Bonnie, my girlfriend, had made me feel guilty about not supporting indigenous communities in any way. And I was like, "I don't fucking like charity." But, like, I can support Willie, and that consciously hit me in a way that, like, I felt was there. So I still pay for the fucking tribe, even though I don't want to. No offense, Willie. Because it's, like, ethically, it makes me feel like I'm contributing in some way. And I'd rather give it to Willie than, like, fucking random motherfuckers. Um, and I'm not even saying that to floss. I just think people here should give to the indigenous communities a little bit more. Um, but, like on that and then yeah so i talked to him more and then i won weed on his show <laughs> but no mostly i talked to him more and then time went on and then he put me on his kicking it live fucking ciphered song thing and then, i don't know time just went on and i talked to him more and now willie and i are in a fucking rap group called verbal gymnasts <laughs> don't start like, I, I couldn't even tell you how, I, I don't even know how I ran into him. I think because of his show, I got this interview with you, though. I think that's how that, that was Ismail's out. fault. That's all Ismail. <laughs> Ismail fucking does things. He interferes, and he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. He's putting me on the spot, and so I have to react in certain ways, and he knows what he's doing. I know what you're doing, Ismail. Um, yeah, I played my album on Kicking It Live, and then the next day, uh, I think you hit me up. Like, uh, people are requesting no, I, I hit like, you up that oh. same fucking time because yeah. Ismail said, When is he getting the interview? Like, <laughs> well, thank you, Ismail. Shout out, man. Thank you. I'm like, Fuck my life. I should probably do that. And that's what happens. And then I hit you up, and then we booked it. 
and then that was the story of how this interview came to be. So Willie Willie played it, and then Ismail did his thing. Yeah, Ismail's pretty gangster about it though. He like fucking hustles. He's like trying to get. He's like, you know what? I want to see Holden talk to this person. I don't actually care if Holden wants to. I'm gonna go talk to that person. And I'm like, wow, that's the coolest shit in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think yeah, Willie and I found. Well, Willie found me through BTB. Did you? Did I ask you to join, or did you just find BTB off the side for Willie? I'm just curious how he found BTB. I'm always curious, like, cause a lot of people I didn't hit, so. Hit up, straight, I, was just I know you straight up solicited me. <laughs> he found it. Okay, cool. Now you should. I remember it. Like I was like, because you were so like cordial about it, and you had like this elegant approach, and you were like feeling out if I was interested, or and I'm like, okay, I'm curious. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, but you are bluntly honest. From I remember too, you're like, I'm have a lot of time on this. I probably won't be active in your group. But I will join it somewhat because you told me, like, I'm not going to post. I'm not going to share. I'm not like you were so honest about it. And I was like, well, I'm like, hey, man, man, you're being dead yo, honest about it. Yo, you at the time. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's like, I don't know what it is, but like for it stopped. Maybe because people think I'm a hater or something, which is great because it stopped, honestly. But like, I was getting hit up by like Joe Blowschmo and red guy, pink purple person thing. Like, I don't even know who these fucking people are. They're sending me fucking links. Somebody literally sent me a message that was, you should go YouTube me. I'm like, bro. And then, so I did. I sent him a screenshot, and I'm like, which one are you? You should probably send a link. And this guy got salty with me. And I don't know. So I started posting, like, don't fucking bother me posts. Because, like, unlike you, like, I'm up my DMs. Like, I don't really want you hitting me up like that. Unless I know you like that. And if you do, be like, yo, I saw your interviews. I want one booked don't be giving me your damn links like you want you want me to listen to your music for real real get an interview because mm -hmm. like monday wednesday and saturday i have to focus on three people's music plus i might do an album review that's a fourth thing like yo what bandwidth do i have to like honestly unfortunately play the game you're playing i'm doing a different version of your game where i just go yeah. talk to everybody and like i said with you being honest when i sent you i think the on i told you about the unmasked album you told me straight up like, I don't have the time to check this out. Honestly, I probably won't get around to it unless I interview you because that's when I check out the music. And uh, luckily, you heard some of it on Willie, on Kicking It Live with Willie. But you told me straight up, like, odds of me clicking it and going through it are pretty slim to none unless I'm studying to interview you or I hear it on Kicking It Live, which thankfully you did. But you're just honest about it, man. I think what struck me about you, me being an honest person too, and you just doing it your way and you didn't bullshit like like wanting to get that radio play or something saying, oh, I'll play by the rules. And then you never do. You just told me straight up, uh, this is how I do my thing. And you can still chat with me if you want to. If not, fuck you. I don't really care. <laughs> like, well, was, much, come on. Was, you didn't say it like that. Like, 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 no, but, you no, just, but I get you like fucking anxiety like, with this shit. Like, I'm being real. I get anxious on this shit, man. Artists are like, okay, look, I consider like Spotify links dick pics at this point. Unless yeah. I give you fucking consent, like, yo, I don't really know that I, A, I don't want to give you feedback on your music. You don't want my honesty. I promise you do not want my opinion on your music, 90% of you. And, like, I'm just saying it, like, the truth of it. Like, I don't mind, like, saying what I like about stuff. But, like, don't ask me for feedback. 
I don't I don't like doing it. You don't really want it. Like we ain't like we ain't cool like that. If you don't know me, like don't I'm not gonna say I like it like that. I'm gonna probably tell you some shit you don't wanna hear on some marketing principles. Like, I'm sorry, my guy. You don't stand out to me. And that fucks yeah. people up, man. They don't like it. But then there's the other side where it's like, why are you just you what do you like we're not friends? I don't know you. People hit me up and they don't even say hi. And then I'm like, that's what dick pics must be like. This shit's yeah. dick pics. This is what dudes do to girls. I'm like, man, it must suck to be a girl sometimes. Yeah, what I do with mine, because like you said, <laughs> I get hit up constantly on my YouTube with somebody literally just sending the link. That's it. So my response is, join, bring the bars, drop your link there, and I might hear it. That's uh, mm. my only response to it now. Like, yeah, I don't follow anything messaging to me, and uh, you can join. But that's also how the group kind of overblown now to where I had to start the private group because uh, the other one, this is, the other one's kind of like a testing ground and to show yeah. if like you deserve that radio play, if you deserve for me to give you the time of day really. But I still, I'm, I'm eyeing down the, the, the original group constantly to find out those people. And I do check out a lot of music. Like a lot of my day entails is my business. How I'm running it is like when you said getting global domination together, how much time does it take? It takes a listening to a lot of music. I come by a lot of great, come by a lot of good, and I come by a lot of bad. Uh, mm -hmm. But a lot of my day entails, and if it doesn't catch my attention, I will not listen to the whole song. I'm just that way. But uh, if I like it, I like a, the beat drop or something happens, I will listen to the whole thing. But my business entails a lot of listening to music, man, constantly. And I love like, it. That's the thing is I, I went through this whole process of album reviews before this where maybe people don't know that, right? So they hit me up thinking I'm Joe Blow Schmar or whatever. But I'm like, yo, I listen to like 450 maybe albums with this like critical mindset, gems of all genres, shit that were like, honestly, people need some fucking perspective. Like, like why... Like, here's the thing. The music may be good, but it's the expectations that come around the talent behind an individual sound. Like, I'm going to drop this track and it's going to be it. Or like, yo, this is the best thing ever. I'm better than all these other people. I'm like, are you, though? I've literally heard like three, 400 Montreal artists at this point in terms of their sound. I'm like, do you really know how many people are in this city and what they all sound like? Are you really the best of this area? Did you know I live in your area? Did you know that I might think I'm better than you? That's actually yeah. happened a few times. Yo, there's nothing like when somebody tells me they're the best person in NDG and I'm like, all right, my guy. And not to say that you might not be. There is a couple of people that could probably make that claim and I might be like, all right, I'll give it to them. But not most of them. You know, like, so it's like there's this weird attitude where it's like, yo, you dropped a song, so it's a big deal. Everybody thinks they're the shit. Like, if you drop a song, <laughs> you're the greatest thing ever. Uh, and you have to have that mindset, though, at the same time. But to get everybody to try to agree with you thinking that you are the shit, be ready for some criticism or some hate because, uh, like I said, I've heard a lot of bad, man. And uh, all these people will still say, like, yo, I'm the greatest thing ever, and I've heard some bad. <laughs> all I know is I'm about to pull a thousand spins on a day on a song I didn't even mix and master. <laughs> I'm fucking having fun with life. Yo, that, to me, it's a game now. It's not even about that. Like, for one thing, people need to get past this commodity thing. Like, yo, you're not selling records. You know how I know? Because the, the famous people are selling 60. Yo, yeah. you ever looked at that raw sales? It goes from, like, 100K, 16K, Remember when people 2K. used to go platinum in a week and in, like, under a week? That's impossible now. Like, no one's even hitting 
Like when you did uh, like Little Wayne and Eminem had a million sales in a week. Oh my God! If you get a hundred k now in a week, you're considered like God. So it's like, all right, nobody's selling shit. Uh, we take the streaming economy and like, look, there are ways to make that work for you, but it's not like your one song is gonna do that. It's actually more the volume of a lot of songs that does this effectively. Yeah. And then you also gotta remember, sixteen-year-olds are in the game. What you think the sixteen-year-old yeah. is bad? That's a mistake to think the sixteen-year-old. I have not met a person under twenty I thought was a bad artist because you know what they're not doing? They're not calling themselves hip hop. They're just making musics and shit. But they're competing for yeah. the same audience who also doesn't give a fuck what genre you're in. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so I play I'm both like, sides. I'm making, doing the record sales and also the algorithm of Spotify. Like I'm playing the game, man. I'm playing it in every aspect that you love can. It. You can play it, and you're doing the same thing. It's just. But you and I well, are why actually, not? Like, how think, can you um, not do it? <laughs> but it's more like that. Let's be real. My bigger play is not getting views. It's it's not like any of the more immediate goals. Making money. Nah, it's bigger than that. Um, this game is a network relationship game, as you pointed out. Yeah. I'm trying to meet enough people that are interesting that one day they go, you know who'd be good for this? And it's me because I mm -hmm. happen to be the one that's good for this. That doesn't happen if you don't meet people. If you're not able to be out there, you're not able to create those networks and shit. Like, let's be real. Having Willie, you know, like, they're kind of moved in a direction, meeting these different people. Everything kind of leads to things, right? Like, this moment wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for all this networking. So it's like, cool. I mean, I could get views and money now, or I could build an empire and in 10 years be a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Building it all up. You're playing every aspect of the game. You're not sticking to one. It's... It's like one, like one thing I said, like this is so much more than creating the song and dropping it. It's business. And that's something I took me a while to learn that the business aspect of it, 100%. Mm. And I was uh, reading one there from Ismail. I don't like many artists' music on the show, but they still have a lot of cool things to say. I hope I'm on both categories. You like my music and I have cool things to say. <laughs> nah, you have good music. Um, I like the last song you did. The, the 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 one with the guitars and you added some auto tune or some shit or whatever it felt like you sauced it up a little bit on your vocal effects and i was like my favorite shit you did i was like that's that's it that's when i felt i was tuning in and out when you were doing the pre-run uh before that you brought me on i was doing my stuff that i had you run in the background and there's a couple like i really felt that you really felt the really uh uh that that kind of style the slower broken down crisp uh, well, it's more a lot of my stuff and I appreciate all the kind words you did say from what I heard I didn't check out your whole pre-show, but nah, I mean I your other it. stuff is like real dope in the sense that it's technically proficient, but I Don't know man. I also grew up listening to strange music and all that shit and it's like 10 years of chopping It's like yo man almost every white dude in this country does it mm. So it's like okay that's actually really and you know what the truth is it's so easy to hide shit when you're going fast and that's why most of us do it because we can't go slow so when you were able to go slower and fit a pocket like that it showed you really can rap type thing whereas Thanks. honestly it's not hard to like go as fast as fucking possible and stuff that in and call that a bar or rhythm or whatever. It's, it's like, hard to do it while saying something, which is something I learned growing when I use the chopper flow. I still like to use it because it's fun for me is I'm making sure it's not just a bunch of nonsense words that rhyme together. 
it's still part of the story. Like on uh, a couple of my songs, like Lower My Breath, Till uh, uh, Lower My Head, Till My Last Breath, I start off slow, I pick it up and I do the fast beat, but it's continuing the story compared to certain songs I have done where it kind of is just bullshit showing off. I can rhyme and rap fast. So that's kind of what my Glitch in the Matrix album was like. It was just like there was no substance behind it. But even at a substance level, it's like all the tricks possibly done with this fast shit has been saturated for like a decade. So like literally you're going against Eminem in my head. You can't yeah. control that. But that's but what Eminem's wasn't always doing. categorized as fast until recently. I found this rap god. He was not it was more the tech nine lane and twista and twisted insane. Like he Big didn't facts. I never categorized Eminem as and a I'll fast chopper rapper. Back then it was the golden era for that shit. Mm-hmm. But like that's when yellow came out proper but like yeah. what really but then like the thing is is like now it's like i can't help it i have got like if i really want a fast song there's just so many options from so many people but like when you get into that mood music i don't care if i heard the vibe before and i feel like that's what the slower more vibey shit does is it's mood music so like mm. Yo, that like you basically wrote a little peep song in your delivery and i fucked with it so heavy because i love little peeps expressiveness you may not like that comparison but it's a great one because it's so to me it's like a high praise like i was like yo fuck that i'm gonna listen to that one for real if it ever shows up on spotify it might be actually mm. i didn't check um what song is that the one that hold on i'm gonna tell you it's the one you do with otis the lower my head Oh, yeah, that is on spot. That's my biggest yo, hit on spot. I'm going to fucking hit that shit. Yo, it's, <clears> dude, it's such a bop, one. though. But, yo, it's it's got hooks. Real hooks. Real, like, flow to it. You're right in the pocket. Like, everything about it at a musicology level, to me, sounds, like, better. Just, like, at I a music it. level. Oh, man, I'm excited for that whole EP. So, uh, and I don't, yeah. I don't mean it to say your other stuff is worse. And it's no, I know. Like, I exactly mean and, that's, and, like, and I, I know... Over a others. lot of never, I'll never take it as that. And I know a lot of people love that shit. Why? Because it's the hottest shit for sixteen and twenty-two year olds. And that's the truth. It's like a youth market thing. It's kind of like why punk rock is hottest in that era. Speed, intensity, blabbity blabbity. Yep. But yo, I've written so many songs where I tried to fuck with that shit, and I, I've like memorized so many songs. It's like okay, okay, okay. Drake's dope though. I listen to Drake songs on repeat in a way that they don't get old. Why is it that the Tech Nine songs didn't age well? Why is it that then 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 it's still a good hook today, but like half that chopper yeah. shit doesn't age well. So like yo, that's kind of nifty to me, right? I think that's the biggest thing that hit me is I couldn't give a fuck about half the tracks I listened to ten years ago, except for like LMFAO's couple bangers and shit, and that's weird. <laughs> Why are these the songs that are sticking with me ten yeah. years later? That's why I'm gonna say works a little different on our music taste because. You really go, and I can feel from you, even with your questions, the vibe of the music, and I go mm. for the lyric aspect of the music. I'm not really tuning into the production or the the flow, and I'm in the minority of this, too. This is not like no, everybody thinks this way. I'm very into the lyric aspect and having a story to tell. So, he- uh, so and that's what, with strange music, like with the tech on and stuff, is that he doesn't, in all honesty, have a lot of so- a lot of songs are just fast rap that don't really have anything to say. So I'm not huge fans of that. A uh, huge fan of that, but I'm not a massive fan of Drake either. Cause I'm, I'm, 
I kind of got tired of the whole, I got I money, I got cars, that wine flow. Like, I just... So you're like real talk song. You said some shit, in my opinion. I was like real from the heart. That's my kind of, yeah. But like nine times out of ten when people think people are saying stuff, y'all think people are saying stuff. I'm like, that's some vapid, boring bullshit that I heard a million times before from a thousand other rappers. And so it doesn't sound like it. And if it's really, that's what most music comes off like, to, like the content wise. Oh man, I'm harsh. I heard a say alone's a book of human language, yo. I heard some great fucking music where it's like, yo, y'all are act, like, there's this attitude where like, like people think that there's this extra level of substance, but you know what I also like? I like rock music. Where like seven yeah. words is considered better writing and shit. So yeah. oftentimes I think what happened to me on the journey, it's not that I like the vibe more. Yo, bars matter. Go listen to my words. I try very carefully to like pick the right words. Yeah. Even if I'm not trying, I'm still trying on my words. That matters so much to me. Like if your words aren't good, you're not even in the conversation type thing. Unless even yeah. Lil Yachty, I quoted his bars and compared it to Red Man. Like it matters to me in a big way. But then it's like, okay, what are your struggles? are they actually interesting content? Like, mm -hmm. are they actually new and innovative? Like, I mean, not to be diminishing, but like who hasn't written a white boy song on anxiety? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Real talk was about my family though. That wasn't that, me. But that one to me was the most like on a content front. Holy shit. Yeah. That's the most, that one, like nobody else on earth, could have written that song but you no, it was impossible yeah because it's my story my life and i yeah i agree with that and the reason like like you said i absolutely agree with them, who hasn't wrote about anxiety well you said white boy all the black artists write about it as well right no so but it's the way i'm sorry i say it like not, that and i don't mean to go race with it but there's this weird trend in underground white hip-hop that is like yo people carbon copies and don't even know it they literally write the same mm. album on repeat and you, you're, mm -hmm. you've listened to a lot. You must have seen this trend where people oh, yeah, think they're mad innovative. And yo, it's no disrespect to it either. This is why I don't like talking too honestly about this shit because I'm a bit of like, a, you bore me. It's not that it's bad. It's like, yo, it's not that interesting. Whereas I'd rather hear a guy who with pure passion spits not great bars because I can fuck with that energy because that energy makes me feel something. But yo, I've heard too many liars spit good words. I heard too many people say the right things. And I'm like, but sh we can all do that. Who can't write that song? Who can't study 17 great rappers and compose that shit? Yeah. Yeah, it's true, man. Like, that's the hardest find a thing I find about being a lyricist and a writer is trying to do something uh, that, hasn't, that hasn't been done before. Uh, best example I can use in a comedy example was, I don't even remember, I think it was South Park or whatever. The Simpsons already did it. You know, when they kept trying to do something, and it's like the Simpsons already did it. The Simpsons already did it. Trying to fit into that genre, it's hard with music nowadays. So with real talk, the best way I was able to do is like I will write about my family that no one else can write about, and that's what I'm trying to strive to do a little more. And I did a song also, uh, "Be Yourself," and it's all about being yourself. But it, it was about like my journey and the other artist who's on it, his journey. I love those kind of songs. I get what you mean with the anxiety ones. I'm not really into more. Oh, to like, be fair, I just picked that because like it. it's even myself. I'm very guilty of this exact thing. So it wasn't yeah. even about you. I know the no, coincidence exactly if you that. have a song called the anxiety song and that may have triggered it a little bit. Yeah. But the well, real I had two, man, actually, yeah, let me go. And I had uh, anxious mind and those were both 
two anxiety songs and one thing that's actually in my opinion too much like no matter what you say to me man don't ever think you're gonna no no no. it's not really about you i don't want other people watching this who don't know me to think i'm just some fucking cold ass hater that don't give a (laughs) shit so i want people to know it it's more the opposite i care a lot a lot and even within myself like i wrote a lot of negative shit and my girlfriend looked at me and i'm like you don't even like my music she's like it's not that i don't like your music but none of your music's fun and i'm like Oh yeah, you're right. And then I thought about my live set recently and there was like no way to like dance to anything I did. And I'm like, huh, that's maybe not good. I'm I'm so focused on this vibe that like, and the reality is, is that like the super lyrical dense thing, why it turns out this way. And this is my speculation after watching for a while. It's, um, everybody that's a hip hop enthusiast is involved in the industry in some way at this point. They're either like a super fan which i consider halfway in the community kind of thing so they're like so split up on their time and attention that they barely count because they're supporting everybody or they're mm-hmm. a video guy or they're a networker or they're a man or not so who like who in that lane is like pure fans like as in people who just want to enjoy the music it's like not it's like it's it's not it's more like sports in that lane so it's like the fan base is your peers because there almost isn't a huge fan base outside of aspiring rappers and shit. It's just that there's so many people in that world. Yeah. That tech you gotta also Look at it. These people, the way I would think of it as well is like, I kind of know my, uh, I'm saying it on me. I know you're not talking about me on behalf of like, say like tech nine. Nah, I like see, your shit. The ICP. Uh, oh, I, no, I appreciate you. I know you do. I'm not saying it. I just keep saying on me, but like, uh, ICP, let's say, they know their fan base. It's not going to hit a certain other arty audience. They're not going to go out and do a dance song just because they want to do like it that hits there. They go they to, to lose their fan base. Though. That's what I mean. Yeah. So now they did that, but like they knew it before and they stuck with that fan base. So Tech Nine, I think he's done it too, where he's branched out. So he's done so many crazy things. But at first, he stuck with that fan base and. Uh, little Yachty, a guy you're saying who I don't really know anything about. So, uh, since you bringing him up, I remember hearing like one, two second song. I didn't like it, but the way you talked about him, I'm actually going to go check him out because maybe I missed something not, and I appreciate like your it. input on it. I appreciate your input on it. And I want to check it out because I'm not a, not a hater on people, but like they hit their certain audience. And, uh, once you try to branch out and hit everybody is when, you diminish what you had and you can actually fall down from that so, is what I'm a big believer in. From a business perspective, um, at the end of the day, there are prospects, people who you are trying to convert into clients. There are, are converted clients, your core fans and these people, and then there are your peers. And my, as a guy who spent a very long time trying to be a really cool kid in this underground lyrical miracle fucking crowd, um, I realized there's no fans it's just peers all the facebook is peers it's like your move works because you're king of the network crowd honestly but not everybody can be you there's only so many spaces for that so everybody else has to kind of roll with it a little bit but but these guys yeah they're my peers but they weren't my peers before this they had to hear my music first and become a fan to agree to be on the how many use can there really be in this game what do you mean sorry how many you. how many guys in your position like you can there really yeah. be in this game? It's uh, not infinite. The, anybody can try to do it, but the matter of who can actually accomplish it is probably very minimal. Absolutely. 
but in a sense you you're in a position then where if we go on a more whatever way your your core audience is this group of people that i'm describing but for most of the people that are this group of people who don't provide a service of any kind how do you monetize that if everybody in there is broke not in the sense of that but the fans don't have that money to dedicate to you because they're loving everybody in general that's how this fan base at the the pure fans work they love everybody yeah. which means they're so split that they can't really become for you that dedicated like that maybe you get a one two but it's not super sustainable yeah and this is just a population model thing percentage of rappers percentage of available fans heavy competition it's like if you're playing an seo game if everybody competes for the same keyword only two guys still win so why people are going the other direction is because it's just not as like it's not that it's not as saturated it's that like you literally just have a better chance at selling your shit you do man yeah i, I absolutely agree with you and then when every time i'm like rebuttaling your stuff i don't want you to think i'm being argumentative nah, or I something love it. this is the show this is a fun conversation. Actually, I haven't had this with a lot of people. On this kind is the of after ten part of the show. <laughs> yeah, I love this part. Actually, I don't really have this conversation. So none of this is argumentative. I don't want you to ever take it as that or whatever. This is me having fun. Actually, just shooting the shit with somebody. And I love your points, man. You're making them. But uh, like I said, yeah, the way I, you're right on that. Like my core fan base is that group. It is that group of people, and they're uh, lyricists themselves, so they respect the lyricists. Uh, but I've had people also as well that have like, if they're a fan of Mercules or Chris Webby or something like that, that they kind of compare me to that person. So I kind of obtain and their fan base isn't still big, but I'm getting that piece. And it's just like, you have one audience here that listens to this. You have one audience here, listens to that one audience over here. Mm. And if you try to hit off, all of them at once you're just thinning out every single one where it's probably still not going to work uh like you said what icp did strange music has done i see with his male writing with strange music unfortunately moving from the yeah, core band it, and it like hurts like it and so for it's me I, like, I can't do shifted. a dance song i can't like i've tried to do a dance song i that's just not Man. me and i so I've at 30 i couldn't yeah. do a dance song i started writing yeah. dance music this year I What's, swear, oh, did I, never before the age of 33 I did I ever even it. try. But, yo, because I was trying to, like, anyway, I was thinking about a lot about my girlfriend. You have to really go down the path of what would make your girlfriend I dance. like how you said what you said, that, like, your music's just not fun. And, and that's uh, what she said to me. That's I had really, to think hard on that. Yeah, that that's a really good point. Like, that's so true. Uh, luckily, were... my girl loves the underground hip hop like crazy. So you know she listens to Tech Nine and and uh, bring the party yeah. guys. But to say that it's so true, and I've been told that as well. It's like it's just not. No one wants to sometimes sit there and listen to every word you're saying. Like it's just not gonna be doable. Like they don't want to. You know, even when I'm out drinking. Yeah, when I'm out drinking and stuff, I don't want to sit there and listen to a whole Eminem six-minute song of every lyric he drops. I want to listen to, uh, like, an In the Club from 50 Cent or something. You know what I mean? Like, I want to listen to that kind of music. So I get that 100%. I just, in my opinion, I haven't really tried it, but I just can't do it. Like, I, I like I can't say I can't do it. I might be able I'll to. Be, I just haven't I tried it. I just fantasized. I was like craving sweat and dancing and shit. So I just let my imagination run away and I pictured myself <laughs> raving. 
<laughs> but I have a couple memories to pull from. So like I did pop some mollies and do some ravings. So like I'm basically tapping into that and going, what would I want to rap about that reminds me of this? I'm not trying to write rave music. I'm trying yeah. to write my own story on rave music. Uh, that, but, yeah. But I guarantee you, Bring the Bars is the reason you pop a lot more than, frankly, anything else music-related. And the way that behind that suit is going to make me pop a lot more than my music will, because it's what's happening, right? Marcus, we, we brand it. But it's bigger than that. Like, first of all, you're a we now, and you lead a we. You lead mm -hmm. a we. That's big. Um, secondly, you're, you're you're 30, so you're supposed to be more than a rapper. That's a big thing. I don't think a lot of people know that, I believe. But, like, yo, if you're, like, above the age of 25 and all you do is rap, you are not doing it right. Mm -hmm. I like that. To, yeah, it's true. You yeah. need to – because, yo, all the 20-year-olds can just rap, in my opinion. Like, what else are you doing? You're 20. But, like – 25 is career time you're supposed to be moving to career time at that point in your life it's not mm. supposed to in my opinion at least it's not supposed to still be the party unless you're making money on it in which case go do your thing homeboy but like most <laughs> people aren't like you're okay like man i don't a lot of people drink right i don't drink a lot because the next day i can't function properly but i see a lot of people who get drunk then they oversleep the next day and they, they're just they don't I don't know. I see. I see the way people use their time and their productivity, mm. and how they like move and stuff. And I'm like, yo, you just you only just put out like a song or two. I'm like, man, do you know how much music is being created by Griselda right now? Just Griselda. Yeah. <laughs> how is your one two song gonna compete? Like that's what I really respected is you've got this pipeline of shit that you're gonna be pushing, so you're constantly gonna have shit. And then you made more people attached to your name, which bigger moves, boss man things. That's amazing. Mm. Constant slew of attention coming your way all the time. Multiple platforms, multi that's big things. That's how everyone needs so basically you're an influencer. Yeah, but it started off as like you said, you know, twenty five thinking rap would just do it. And then I realized uh look what I branched off into now and what you're doing yourself. Like we're hosts. I'm doing a award show. <laughs> I have a label. I have signees. Like it's, it's not just the rapping that's going to pay, pay the bills. You know what I mean? It's all this combined together. Uh, and it, it's uh, constantly every day. Like I bust my ass. Like it's a nine to five, even longer. I would say even longer than a nine to five of either writing music, getting the, bring the bars going, doing a radio show, doing you can vouch to that too. And you say with the people, yeah, you get loaded one night, you sleep in, you got to learn if you are going to drink them one night. Like if I did, like right now I had a few beers, but if I was to go out and get like absolutely loaded, I still, yeah, have, to get up at, I still have to get up at eight in the morning. I got a family and I got shit to do. So, you know, I, I'm, I got to do it. There's, uh, there's no, if I can do it or whatever it's, I have to do it. So do people get like, do they drink and shit on your, your interviews and your shows? Like do people ever get do like fucked up or anything? No, people smoke all the time during my, and I'm a big smoker. The reason I'm not smoking today is because uh, this is just my personal thing I've always done. I've done it for a few years is I always quit weed from March 20th to April 20th. Mm -hmm. I always take a month off in the year and I don't choice. smoke any weed. And then on 420, I'm going to be sparking up a big one. But in my show, the update, I have a segment called Session Vibe where I kick back, smoke a joint, and listen to some songs and just comment on the songs while I'm listening to the joint, uh, listening mm -hmm. to the joint, listening to the music. I think but that I was always a good double entendre. Yeah. 
So yeah, so I just, uh, I always take that break. So 420, I'm coming back and I'll be rolling that joint I want so badly. <laughs> yeah, fair enough though. Honestly though, I think um, I'm getting hungry and I'm uh, we're gonna have to wrap. We should, we're gonna have to do yeah. this again in the future for real reals. Absolutely man, I had a blast. Um, and I definitely want to talk to you a bit more. So partly I want to do that and not be like, yo, it's 11.47 shit. Because that's happened a couple of times too. So yo, <laughs> I want to thank you all for being here watching this. Do you have any like last words you want to say? I think we covered it all, man. <laughs> Bust your ass, work hard, and join Bring the Bars if you an artist. That's all I can really say. So yo, I appreciate be everybody Yo, humble's interesting. So <laughs> it's an interesting concept. But, yo, thank you all for watching for real. I totally appreciate it on all the platforms, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're at now. Definitely uh, thank you. And if you're watching this in the future, make sure to hit the subscribes, the likes, the whatever. There's links in the description. Go follow Bridge the fuck bring the bars it's so similar man i almost named my contest bring the bars until i remembered it was your shit um <laughs> i swear that happened but then it was like um yeah so if you're watching the special thanks to the patrons that's where i was going ismail good mc chris proud jonathan barnes dj black hurricane linda williams scribble the dope they support what we do if you're on twitch and you got that free amazon prime subscribe hit that button and do that shit in the future patreon.com slash behind that suit we're gonna start that raid hit up dj bobby Payne. and on that note live long and prosper everybody and now I'm going to hit the raid button, and then it's going to start out, the raid. And then we wait about eight seconds, and it's the worst. It's the it's my least favorite part of the stream because it's just clunky and it takes 10 seconds. And then we hit the button. <laughs>